You're listening to Music Mythology. My name is Sam Romo, and let's talk about some music. What's happening, really? <laughs> That's true. For you, there would be me. Yeah, or me. <laughs> it would be him. Yeah. Or this show. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, where would you like to start? No, you tell me. You want me to, oh, you want me to start? Sure. Way back whenever I started listening to music and knowing about it. Yeah, or where, wherever you, you when you, um, well, I'll give a little intro here in a second. Um, but after that, if you just want to start wherever you feel like you really started to pay attention to music, you know, when yeah, you were I younger. Say, and, I would think of, of what, what is your earliest memories no, of music. I, I know exactly what I want to say. Okay. okay. Go ahead, the intro. Okay, awesome. All right, so we're sitting down. Uh, this is uh, Sam Romo sitting down with uh, my father and his father, my grandfather. Uh, so. So the original Sam, just by the way. <laughs> Samuel Romo, That's Glasgow right. Romo. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so today we're sitting down um, just kind of discussing the l- legacy of our family and um, and how we appreciate music and have um, incorporated it throughout all of our lives and um, you know our hobbies and, and passions and just um, yeah how it's it's always been appreciated in our family. Um, so yeah, where would you like to start, Papa? Well, I remember when I was a young boy, very young, uh, seven, eight, uh, <clears throat> the first thing, first time I started hearing music was my dad playing the violin. Mm-hmm. He played it because he went out, he did that for making extra money. And uh, of course, uh, hearing him play that violin, uh, it, it, it stayed in my mind, instilled in my mind from all my life. But back then, not only was his music, which was, we didn't hear it very much because he would practice a little bit or rehearse by himself. Sometimes you'd have someone come over with a guitar and they'd play, to get prepared for jobs. But me, um, uh, then my brother David, uh, when I got a little tiny older, maybe 14 or something, 13, my brother David had already started playing guitar. Mm. And he played, uh, started uh, learning how to play it real well. And and him and a, a real good friend of his, uh, Mariano Martinez, they uh, <coughs> sometimes at gatherings, they would sing and play, and David would play the guitar. They, would, they sang real good together, very mm-hmm. good. They harmonized well. And uh, and then being young like that, 12, 13 years old, there were a lot of beer joints down the street. And I mean, I could hear music. We could walk up and down the, in the evening in front of those beer joints and you could hear all that more Mexican music. Not only that, but on my, on my street, it was real poor. And during the summer, nobody had air condition. That was 19, like 1950, 51, mm. 52, 51. Wow. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and, uh, so the people would have their windows up with screens. And I don't care where you'd walk down the street, you could hear the Mexican music coming from the radios. Mm-hmm. Everybody had, uh, I always remember Pedro Infante uh, from Mexico. He's very popular back then in the 50s. You could hear him, his voice, and some others, uh, Alfredo Jimenez, Jose Alfredo Jimenez, uh, many, many different guys uh, that, uh, I mean, you know, entertainers from Mexico. Mm-hmm. I remember some of the songs. Uh, one of them was, uh, Bingham was the name of a town in Mexico. And uh, all I remember is it said, 
Ya vamos llegando a Pénjamo, su gran cocolar de pájaro, que corra lejos, parece un espejo, mi lindo Pénjamo. Anyway, it's beautiful about the tone about the town and mm. how the beautiful people, the people and everything. I can remember all the words. But I remember distinctly in my mind the, hearing those the songs and and then uh, as I got a little tiny older, um, Uh, well, we we would we finally one day my brother and I got a job at a at a hamburger stand just around the corner from where we lived on, on the main street there, and uh, that's where I really got to hear a lot of music because um, behind us we were in a little tiny hamburger place and in front of a grocery store and all all Hispanics, but from that very street west and south I mean north. It was all blacks, and everything from there east and north was Hispanics, and everywhere else Hispanics, not Mexican, not Mexicans, mm. but people born here Hispanics. Yeah. Their parents were all from Mexico. Mm. I, my dad's were. My dad was born in Texas, but anyway. And so there at that place, I would hear music, and I loved it. Behind us was uh, right behind that building was a beer joint, a two-story beer joint. And uh, we could hear the music real well from back there. We had spent summertime, we had the door open in the, in the back of the uh, little hamburger stand. Mm -hmm. It was a wide door, and we always kept it open. We didn't have a condition. Mm. And uh, so on Fridays and Saturdays, man, that's where I heard a lot of songs like James, uh, James, what's his name? James Brown. Brown. James Brown. Yeah. And, uh, Uh, Big Joe Turner, Fats Domino, man, you name it, all those old, old songs. And I learned some of them back then. And it was just so enjoyable to hear those songs. And some of them stuck with me. Well, a lot of, a lot of them did. Ray Charles and, uh, you know, like I Got a Woman. Yeah. I never forgot that song, the words, all of them. <laughs> <clears throat> Because uh, when I met your, your grandmother, the little then come back, Uh, I sang her that song the first night that I took her out. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah, but anyway, uh, so uh, it was just an experience to be able to hear and appreciate those music, those entertainers. And uh, all through my teenage years, uh, we always wanted to hear them. Mm -hmm. And I can remember riding in the car with friends, me, 16, 15, 16 years old, And they would be playing those songs, you know, mm -hmm. even the, um, the song I sent for your mom. Uh, Earth Angel. Earth Angel. And all those songs, the Platters. Oh, yeah. And all the different groups. And we all, that's all we did was listen to music. We thought, you mm -hmm. know, we enjoyed it. It was so enjoyable. Yeah. And, uh, and so I didn't get, I didn't get, I didn't learn to play guitar until I was about 20. Oh, okay. Maybe 19, I started picking it up, trying to learn it. My dad wouldn't teach me. The, I would love for him to taught me the violin, mm -hmm. and it disturbed me that he wouldn't even let me touch it. See, he he saw it as as his money maker. Mm -hmm. I mean, to make money. So it's too much to, of a gamble. Yeah, and for me to, he was afraid I might damage it, and so he would never t teach me anything about the violin. Oh wow! I didn't hate him for it, but I didn't I didn't feel good about it. Not so much then, but I regretted that a little later that he never taught me. Mm, sure. I would have loved to play the violin and learn how. Right. But um, but then uh, I kept hearing music of my dad, and when we started getting together, and I started playing the guitar a little bit, 
But back to those days when I, when I would hear those songs, one of the songs that always stayed with me about James, uh, you know, James Brown. Brown, I keep forgetting. And it was the one where he says, please, 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 please. Remember the Blues Brothers 2000? Oh, they do. Baby, please, please, don't go. Please, don't go. <laughs> and the Blues Brothers 2000, at the very end of the, song, of the movie, they, they show him and this woman standing there and, and looking real sophisticated and and the guy and he's over there with a, with a cape on mm-hmm. and he's singing please please he's big <laughs> and he gets on his knees and she's just going you know he's over there and she's oh she, she says please please <laughs> please don't go <laughs> so it's real funny at the end of that 2000 uh, Bruce Brothers yeah okay but anyway so that's why I uh, really started uh, hearing a lot of music and I've got several songs that I, I could even bring up but but anyway, uh, and so then uh, later, as I got a little older and I married, then uh, my brother would started asking me to go with him on gigs, mm. with the mariachi music. Mm-hmm. Uncle David? Yeah. Sometimes he would ask me to go because he wanted me to sing songs, certain songs. Mm-hmm. And he didn't know, he couldn't sing or didn't have the voice for any kind of diff- decent mild rock. Oh, okay. Or anything like that. Uh-huh. So he would uh, he would he would get me to sing certain you know songs when there were younger people in the crowd. Mm, gotcha. And, uh, and so like uh, I got a woman like, like a while ago. Yeah. Kansas City. Yeah. Yeah. I always like this. Well, I got a woman way over town. She good to me. Oh yeah. Hey, I got a woman way over town. She's good to me. Oh yeah. She give me money when I'm in need. Yeah, she's the kind of woman I really need. Anyway, I got a woman. It's <laughs> classic. Way across town. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I never forgot the one of them all. I forgot that another whole thing. Well, I remember Kansas City used to always, oh, yeah. used to always Kansas sing City. Kansas City. And yeah, Kansas City and that one. And I can't remember all the many songs, but. Um, is it okay if I sing a little part of them? I mean, not now, but I mean, like I did. Sure. I yeah. I don't want to do too much of that. No, but you do whatever you want. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> but I, I really enjoyed, uh, and and like I told you, when I, when I when I first time uh, I met your your mom, your your grandma, mm. and I already told y'all. <clears throat> I'm gonna take it back since you're on on this thing here to when I first met her at that hamburger place. Right. And I was only about 17 and a half, and uh, I was just working part-time there. <clears throat> but um, there was a girl that liked me, but I didn't, she didn't, I didn't, she didn't appeal to me. But, um, but one day, evening, about 7.30, dark, a little dark already, she brought Josie, my wife, there with her. Because later on, she told my wife, told me later, she said she wanted me to accompany her because she didn't want to go by herself. But she told her, oh, I like this guy so much. And, oh, I think he's so good looking. And I, oh, but yeah, I don't think he likes me, you know. But please come with me so you can see him and I'll introduce him uh-huh. to you. And uh, so when they got there, um, she uh, walked up and introduced her to me. And I saw her and I thought, I mean, as soon as I laid eyes on her, I mean, I'm not kidding. I said, man, where has she been? 
<laughs> and I said, Josie? And then I found out she was a sister of two guys that I know, Shorty and uh, mm. Bobby, or his brother. I used to go rabbit hunting with Bobby mm. already prior to that. Mm-hmm. And I said to her, what are you doing? I mean, where have you been? I go all <laughs> over the place out here, bumming around, walking and everything, with my friends and everything. She said, they don't let me out very much. I can't get out very much. They won't let me. I said, wow. Mm. Okay, I said, but uh, anyway, um, uh, well, it turns out that uh, she, her watch broke, crash broke. I picked it up. I went and had it repaired for her. And then that's how it all started. I took it to her house. And then later on, we talked, and then we started seeing each other. You know? <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you want some details about it. No, yeah. As much as you, you want to talk about. Uh, well, the, the good detailed part about it is <clears throat> that... Uh, uh, I wanted to, I mean, I wanted her, I thought, I'm talking about her, I don't mean body. Sure, right. The person, yeah. just, I just knew she was a good woman, a girl. Right. And I thought, I don't like, I never did like to be around girls that are real strong, talking and real aggressive, and I like them calm, nice, you know. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that right away about her, she said, oh no, I, I can't, I, they don't let me out. And I said, Autoland just got me, man. I said, boy, this is a humble woman, mm-hmm. girl, girl, she was a girl. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so uh, so that watch led me into being able to communicate with her because I gave her my phone uh, number in case she, something happened, she would be able to get a hold of me. Mm-hmm. And that girl, Lily, that I'm still alive today, widowed, uh, she, she's widowed and I still don't have any interest in her. <laughs> <laughs> Way back, no, it's just not for me. She was just not that much. Sure, time. yeah. Good person, very good woman. Sure. Uh, it was a good, good wife, good everything, you know, for her family. But anyway, so, uh, so that after that, <clears throat> I still didn't know what I was going to do about trying to see her more. I hadn't seen her yet, or out with her or anything. Mm-hmm. And I told her, I said, well, can I call you sometimes? Just yes, and I did. I took that talk to her a couple of times, and then, and then one night she calls me. One evening, I don't know what time it was. She called me one day, and she said, uh, I'm so bashful and so I'm, 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 I just feel bad that I'm having to even ask you. She said, but I, I work for a bank. She had already finished high school working at a bank. Mm-hmm. She said, I never hear they have a banquet at. Uh, for the, for the employees, real nice. They have food, drinks, and everything. Dancing. And she said, and, uh, and, and it's going to be at a, for Christmas. It was almost Christmas. She said, and it's going to be at the Lakewood Country Club. And I, I told you, I said, the Lakewood Country Club. And my dad used to take me by there when I used to go work the yards. Mm. And I see that place, I said, I'll never play golf, I'm sure. It's too expensive. I'm never going to be, I'll never be able to come to this place. Mm. That was only about two or three, four years before. Uh-huh. And, uh, and I thought, she said, and, and well, I told Lila that I didn't have anyone to take me and I wanted to go and I didn't want to go alone. And she said, ask Sam. She knew me as Sam. Mm-hmm. And she said, I can't ask him to take me out. She said, Josie, you saw that he liked you. He fixed your watch, you know he likes you. <laughs> said, don't feel bad, just go ahead and do it. What can you do? You know, I bet you're not going to say no. So anyway, that's why she called me and she said, so I'm very embarrassed to do this, but I'm, I'm asking if you think you might want to take me to that banquet. And I said, I exactly said these words. I said, you asking me to take you to the Lakewood Country Club? <laughs> A place I've driven by and admired and knew I never would be able to go there in my life? 
as poor as I am, and you're asking me? I said, shoot, what time? Where are we? <laughs> <laughs> so, so sure enough, we uh, picked her up, and my brother sent Sam that I'd been to the prison, and he left me a four-door, I think it was a 50 or 51 model, uh, 50 or 51 four-door Chevrolet, mm. real nice car. And uh, it ran real good and everything, but he only left it to me in one condition, that I had to take his wife every month to, on the other side of Houston every month, once a month, on the weekend. Mm. Boy, that was a big thing. But anyhow, uh, so that's why I had a car. Mm. And so after that banquet, well, when it, we went and parked like most Mexicans do with their girlfriends or, I don't know, most kids, young teenagers, <laughs> straight for a park, you know. Uh -huh. <laughs> Hoping you can smooch. <laughs> and, awesome. uh, but I took her there. and I really honestly don't remember if she actually let me kiss her that night. I don't think she did. But, uh, uh, but anyway, but I remember sitting in the car with her talking and then we put on the radio. And I said, uh, you know what? I feel like uh, the, oh, the song came on, I Got a Woman. Mm -hmm. And I said, I'm going to sing that song. I like it. And I started mm -hmm. singing it. Uh -huh. She said, wow, you know that whole song? I said, oh, yeah. I said, I learned it by being away at that place. Uh -huh. And I said, I, I learned all the words. She said, wow, it sounds real good. I said, okay. Well, anyway, so that's how it all started. Yeah. And that's why Russell's here. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I'm here, too. <laughs> Thank you, Ray Charles. <laughs> so no, really. really quick, though, because I realize I never asked this. So do you, do you know where your father learned how to play the violin? Uh, there's a story. He, uh, I actually have a story. I think it's in Spanish, so maybe yeah, in English, too. Yeah, I remember that. I have the whole thing, if you ever want to look it over. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, it's a whole story about how he was raised. But what happened was some man, when he was only about 12, 12 years old, mm -hmm. uh, some man uh, asked him one day if he thought he might want to learn how to play the violin. He said, yeah, I think I would like to. Because his older brother was already playing the guitar very well. Mm. Trinidad, they moved, went to Mexico mm -hmm. way back. So, um, yeah, he said uh, this man took him in and tutored him with music, you know, showing him wow. how to play the violin. Mm -hmm. and, and he learned it well. I mean, he learned it real well, all the chords and everything. So, uh, and he's, he was very... Uh, particular about the timing for anybody that played mm -hmm. with him. Mm -hmm. He would let him know if oh, you're out of time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he would let him know if you're out of time. A, a true, stay on a time, true musician. Know? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so uh, he said that he, he kept practicing and practicing, and he started liking it more and more. And by the time he was 16, 17 years old, he was uh, playing it very well and, and kept improving, too. Mm-hmm. And then whenever, when he was about 17 or so, 18, excuse me, uh, his older brother played real good guitar. Hmm. And so my dad got where he could play almost any tune that, that they want to play. Because wow. he, uh, hmm. he learned the tunes by being around his brother. Right. And so they would go out and uh, hire themselves to play at weddings and uh, quinceaneras, you know, things mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. And that's how my dad started uh, the violin, uh, learning the violin, and continued to do that. As he got older, when he started having too many kids, uh, he needed extra income, and so he would go and play on the in the on the weekends, mm -hmm. in the evenings, you know, mm -hmm. at uh, sometimes beer joints, weddings, whatever. Wow. Any place we could make some extra money. 
Yeah. I feel sorry for my dad because he had to work real hard seven, six days a week and then having to go on Friday and Saturdays to play music and stay up late and right. then get up on you know Saturday morning go to work and stuff right. like that. But um, wow. Any any other question about anything about those days? Uh, well, and and then your mother played. Um, she learned the harmonica. Harmonica, right? Yeah. yeah. Now she hardly ever played it around us. I don't know why, but she knew how to play it. Hmm. And. Oh. Uh -oh. Can you get that? Oh, it's three o'clock in it. Yeah. Just move that little dot. Okay. <laughs> That's a reminder of. Sure. Sure. Anyway, so uh, yeah, my mother learned the harmonica, and by the way, I have a little cassette that uh, my mother's playing the harmonica I remember that. and singing, and then she sings, and uh, and then she plays the music with my brother Richard, a guitar. Oh, really? Yeah, with a harmonica, and I've got it right there at the house, right by a recorder that I have. Oh, you should bring it over. I can digitize it. Yeah, sometime I'll let you, I'll give oh, it to Russell yeah. if I see him first, yeah. and you can uh, record it onto yeah. something, mm -hmm. and then put it on a CD for yeah. us. Yeah. Because it's real nice to hear my, and Josie, my sister, has quite a bit more about that stuff. Oh, okay. Regarding my mother and music and singing. But uh, <clears throat> my mother, she didn't, uh, uh, I don't know, she would play the harmonica around us, I don't know why. But I have heard her, and it's on that recording. Uh, I think You're My Sunshine, and I don't know what else. But, uh, but later on, uh, uh, it's old Richard, oh my dad, my dad taught Richard real well how to play the guitar. Mm. Started up when he was only about 14, 15 years old. Mm -hmm. he, Richard was a real different guy. He was a real calm, quiet, easygoing guy, and I wasn't so much like him. Mm. And I don't know why my dad seemed to uh, be a little bit strong with me. Uh, I don't know why, but he would, and he would always, uh, you know, it beat me, beat me up pretty good sometimes. I didn't hold it against him. Are but you older? Richard, are you older than Richard? Yeah, hmm. it's about two and a half years. Oh, okay. And Richard uh, was very uh, uh, docile, or what do you want to call it? He mm -hmm. took it on real easily, and real, you know, real, always quiet. But he took it all real well. Hmm. And he learned the guitar very well, the chords, everything. I'm talking about minors and everything. Mm -hmm. He can go through the whole thing now, like blues. I don't care what you want to play, he'll play it. He can play anything. Wow. And uh, my brother David couldn't play certain things that Rich could play, because David just always with the same tunes of Mexican songs mm -hmm. from mariachi, you mm -hmm. know. But Richard learned very well how to play the guitar, and he was sing. He could sing too. And uh, him and I were harmonized quite a bit at times. We realized way back when we were late teenagers that we could harmonize well together. Mm -hmm. And so you know how we mm -hmm. sometimes would sing at house parties and yeah. and stuff like that. So uh, we had a real interesting uh, musical life, and the music seemed to always be around us. And like I said, I would go with David to certain gigs, and uh, excuse me, <clears throat> and. Uh, and we would, uh, it was really a fun to do all that, but I didn't want to do that. I didn't want that life. Hmm. I noticed that my brother was, uh, the guy is always too much going on. Hmm. And I thought, no, nah, I'm end up losing my wife messing around with these guys. Hmm. So I thought, I didn't want to get that, I didn't want to go into that career. That I, would deep, have, yeah. I would have learned the guitar better, but 
I told David, no, nope, I'll come and help you at times. Well, I don't want to go this all the time. Yeah. And I did. Hmm. So, um, but I'd go once in a while, he'd hire me. When, many times I'd have to have four guys. He couldn't get but three. Mm. He'd say, come and join us. I'd just take the guitar and follow him. Yeah. I could follow along with my simple chords. Mm-hmm. And then I would sing songs for him, with him, uh, for him. And uh, I could sing pretty good, and I had a strong voice. Actually, a little stronger than his, in a way, for certain songs. Mm. And uh, So we had a real good... Uh, uh, experience I did in uh, being around many musicians many times because I enjoyed real real well when my brother would have uh, rehearsals mm-hmm. with his people that were going to be playing. If he had a big gig with big, like sometimes an orchestra, mm-hmm. he would even have oh, an wow. orchestra. And I would go there and some of those older men that knew how to play bongos, drums, everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was one musician, but a uh, Marcelino Marceleno, that guy could play at least five instruments. Wow. I mean, he was real good. Mm-hmm. And he had a band one time way back. But I remember I loved to go there and sit in and just listen to all those guys playing all those instruments, just watching them. Yeah. It was real, you know, nice. You know, to, yeah. and sometimes I, David would record, but uh, we would go to a recording uh, studio. Oh, really? Yeah, and at least twice we did. And I wish the heck I had that record that I don't know how it got broken, uh, 78 or, you know, what do you call it? Oh, yeah, 45. Oh, oh. The uh, big one. The bigger one, yeah. 78 or 33. Yeah, 78, yeah. And 78, and so we uh, we recorded uh, about 10 songs on that thing, and at least three of them I did. And uh, I can't remember exactly what once, but in Spanish, maybe one in English, but three of them. Anyway, so we, it was a real good, ta- um, you know, record. And I think that Ralph, he's still, I'm gonna try to get him to let me have that. He has if he it. has it. Really? I'm pretty sure he has a copy of it. I could digitize that too. Yeah, I'll ask him, <laughs> let, me, let me borrow it. would be crazy. That'd be awesome. Yeah, that's, that's wild, I didn't know that y'all you know, he, did that. He lives at, uh, what's your little town? Oh, he lives in Mans- Mans- Mansfield. Over here, Mansfield? Yeah, Mansfield. Oh, okay. That's not very far from here. Yeah, no, it's not at all. Close. Yeah, sometime I could get him to tell you where he's at. He'd go pick yeah, it up. Yeah, yeah, for him. sure. Yeah. I'll ask him. It'd be very easy to translate that and just send it to everybody. Later on this evening when I get home, I'll call him and see if I can find okay. him. And if he tells me he has it, it would be good to hear and have. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and... Uh, well, that's wild. I didn't know that y'all had gone into a, a studio or... Well, yeah, tried at to least perform twice, at, that level. at least twice. And David, wow. well, David had to do that because sometimes he would just have uh, three or four songs, uh-huh. and once in a while they would ask him, "Send us something we can hear your your group." Mm. And he would do that, and went on cassettes. And the people that wanted to hire him would say, "Yeah, come on." Gotcha. Now, you out know, of all your siblings, David was the one that kind of focused on that lifestyle the most, right? The main one. He mm. was the main entertainer. And he played violin. No, he played no? just guitar. Oh, okay. Well, no, he, he finally learned the violin. Eventually. Okay. Yeah, yeah cause me, because I think me, like me seeing y'all play by the time, you know, I was around, like he, I mainly saw him with the violin, so that's yeah. what I kind of keep in mind. But yeah, but okay. At first, when he first started playing, he couldn't play very well, and me and Richard would, we'll never make fun of him, in front of him. Uh-huh. 
but I would tell him, well, here comes Jack Benny. <laughs> and I told David one time, he didn't like it. He, I said, hey, Richard, Jack Benny's about to play. He said, hey, Sammy, come on. I said, I'm just messing with you, David. I'm just kidding, man. <laughs> but anyway, but no, he, he, he actually wanted to learn. He learned it fairly well. Mm. Not, not like my dad, but fairly well. Gotcha. But sometimes it didn't sound real good when we'd go to a gig, if he was playing it. Mm -hmm. uh, the old Phoenix, a Chico restaurant or something. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Richard would say, I wish he wouldn't play that Don Violin, man. <laughs> it, it, it takes away from my singing of music, you know, about yeah. sounds. And he didn't play it every time all through the whole evening. Just we played three or four songs. Right, right. You know, just certain times. Nice. Just didn't like it. <laughs> but, uh, but me and David could harmonize pretty well together. Mm. So we would sing quite a few songs together, and then he would sing by himself, then I would sing by myself when we go out on gigs. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, it was uh, a real good experience. Uh, and there were so many guys, Meto Vasquez with the accordion, you know. And I have, you know, on the 50th, on my 50th birthday, I have that whole VH, well, I've got it now on DVD. Mm. Uh, on, on, I mean, on CD, on CD. I had it put on CD, my video, and it has me and singing about four songs with this Beto and Rich and this other guy. Okay. Man, that guy could play that 12 string and make some mm -hmm. songs. Like, dun, 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 I mean, he just, he could go through that whole thing, man, the whole arm. He knew what he was doing. God, he was good. And uh, Beto was real good on, but Beto, my friend Beto showed him how to play the, the 12 string. Mm. And he learned well. That guy learned real well. And he's on that video that I have. Oh, right. And you were probably there at, uh, I don't know. It's only been uh, 31 years ago. No, I wouldn't have been there yet. How old are you now? 27. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate the thought, though. Because I was 50 and I made it once, so that was 31 years ago. Yeah, time it flies. Seems, it seems strange, you know, that it's been that long. Right. Because... Uh, Am I, am I not too far, too far? No, you're good. It's you're okay. Good. Mm -hmm. But uh, we, I really enjoyed, especially with Beto, I really loved singing with him certain songs mm -hmm. that, that I knew that I learned on purpose that I loved them. Yeah. And I just really enjoyed singing with him. The only thing about him, he has a real strong voice, and I had to sing as loud as I could just to, get over to be him. able to hear my voice. Because <laughs> he was, uh, I'm going to give you a little example a little bit to the side. He would sing something like this. Uh, Solamente una vez, ame la vida. I mean, loud. Yeah. Solamente una vez, you know, deep, deep. Yeah, deep and projected. <laughs> One thing I remember is uh, we would go visit him at their home mm -hmm. and play cards or something, and there were some little bad kids, and he would say, Hey, come on, son, dog. And well, those kids would jump. Vas a poder volver a Okay, boom. Okay. <laughs> That's all he had to do is raise his voice. That I mean, powerful he didn't raise voice. his voice. He just yeah, had just had a voice. deep timbered voice. Yeah. <laughs> but he was a real good guy, and he died of cancer, gosh, 12 years ago, maybe. Mm. Close to your mammal's time. Mm. 11 years. I don't. I can't remember if he died first or her. I really can't. I don't think she went with me, so maybe she had already passed. Might have been eight years ago. He played with y'all on and off throughout the decades. Not, well, way way back then, not as much, but mm. later on, yeah. Gotcha. But he would play for Dave. And by the way, my brother David also went into the movies a little bit, not as an actor, 
Mm-hmm. Well, he did. He was in a sort uh, of, yeah. Academy Award-winning movie one time. What? Yeah, mm-hmm. <clears throat> it was called a uh, trip to Bountiful. A trip to Bountiful. I always try to remember. I, I remember the lady's name. The other the other days that she won the Academy Award. Geraldine Page. Geraldine Page. And but. Uh, what did what did he do in it? Or what was he, he, he played in a little Mexican. It, it was, <laughs> the, the setting was based around around forty five. Yeah. 40, okay. Uh-huh. Nineteen forty five, uh-huh. forty six, thirty, forty two, three, and and it's a little old style, old garage service station. Okay. With the pumps that have the glass container at the top. Oh, where you could see it. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. That old style. Right. And he is, right by the entry of the door to that little building, there was some boxes there, and he was sitting with those boxes right next to the box, to the door. Uh-huh. And these people, Anglos, stopped to ask directions. And one of the guys came up to him and said, uh, hey, do you know the way to Corpus Christi? And he said, me no speak English, sir. And that's all he said. That's all he said. That was all he said. <laughs> And his, his, his role was only for about two minutes. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> so the other one. Know but, <laughs> but but the other, he always sometimes he would tell people, I'd be around him and say, I was in the Academy Award winner. <laughs> and he was. <laughs> and he was. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And, and I would say on purpose, yeah, but David didn't win didn't win the award. Yeah. <laughs> say, of course not, man. <laughs> wow. But not only that, but he would uh, his music they hired him to be on uh, uh, Burt Reynolds. Uh, North Texas 40, or was it? No, um, a well-known movie. Yeah. But his role was that they had a, a party for going on in, mm-hmm. in, the, in, the, in the show, in the uh-huh. movie. And they had a flatbed right next to all the people. Okay. And the band, the group was in there, him and Beto Vasquez, that friend I'm telling you. Oh, right. Uh-huh, yeah. And about three other guys that David had hired. And they paid real, real good money to mm-hmm. go there for about three days, two or three days while they were filming, maybe two days. And uh, so, yeah, he, but he got to know Burton Reynolds real well. Semi-tough. Semi-tough, is it? Semi-tough, okay. yeah. yeah. That's and crazy. Then, and then he was in another one with uh, him, too, I think. And then he was with uh, uh, Scott, George C. Scott. Yeah, George C. Scott. Yeah, so, I can't remember that movie. So, it, was that all happening and David lived here in Texas? Oh, yeah, yeah, always, yeah. always. Oh, okay. Yeah, they, they filmed somewhere like yeah. out on this outskirts somewhere. Yeah, in Las Colinas, I know yeah, they yeah, do a lot of filming. Yeah, places like that. Yeah. Out there close to where they filmed Dallas and stuff yeah. like the show. Wow. Did he have like an agent? Did he have an agent? Oh, well, he, he joined an agency. Is that mine again? To take it off, whatever it is. Was it someone you know? No, no. I don't care. I'll, I'll check it later. Mute it. Yeah, oh, good. Uh, I had it where no, it wouldn't ring. It wasn't supposed to ring. It doesn't seem like it. Let me see. Hold on real quick. I want to make sure. Classic. Yeah, he, you know, so in a sense, he was like a professional musician. I mean, they promoted him and his band. And that's how he got into movies and things like that. And oh, he did commercials, and, and Papa would did commercials with him. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, they did, like, uh, where they would take pictures for, um, like, selling food or, or restaurants and, like, calendars. But I think they did commercials, too. Wow, that's crazy. You know who just tried to call me? I'll call her back later. Uh, Steve Dobbs' sister, an older sister. Uh-oh. I don't know. I hope nothing happened. She never calls me. 
It may not be good. It just it just rang. You try to get it off, right? Yes, sir. It was uh, yeah. Kathleen Hawkins. Okay. Trim it here. I'm anyway, um, um, you said George C. Scott. He yeah, was... George C. Scott, a movie, and he had his music in that band. He got to know George C. Scott real well. But David's music took him around pretty good. He, uh, we used to talk about him, me and Richard, and brother, brother Sam, and say, he almost made it, man. He almost hmm. made it, you know. <laughs> wow. I mean, to get further. Big, big, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's crazy. I didn't realize he even made it like that yeah, far or had yeah, that he, connection. Yeah, and he would. What, oh, I was. I was saying that he uh, joined an uh, agency. Oh right, that yeah. Hired people That's to, what mm-hmm. the, for different things, right. for commercials and everything. Yeah. And I did commercials too for a time. I mean, some, but five or six myself. <laughs> and uh, I have a, I have a calendar, in 1971, a Mexican calendar of Jack's beer. And oh, I remember that. I remember that. And you're holding a, a beer, right? My mug. Your mug, yeah. And yeah, Andrew I remember Fall, that. And Andrew Fallbacher is right in the front in front of us. That's what they called him. Some kind of a name from English guys or mm-hmm. Andrew Fallbacher. That's what they called him. Mm. And he's got the real English hair, that, that those wigs they put on, you know. Oh, uh-huh, yeah. And he's holding a beer in his hand or something. And I did that and the patio foods for enchilada box mm. the box of enchiladas uh-huh. and uh we have a picture of a gigantic box and i'm coming out of the box standing there and we're we're waiters i'm a waiter and david's a waiter by the a little table uh-huh. and he's taking an order from uh, a couple uh-huh. and then my his wife is dancing in a mexican real pretty dress dancing uh-huh. and then the two musicians in the back that i know one of them already died and uh, but anyway, we have that. That's crazy. And uh, did some other commercials. I can't remember what uh, what they were, but a few others. And then, but David did a bunch of them for a lot of things. Mm. Made some good money from those commercials. Mm. Sometimes music. A lot of times with music for background and stuff. Oh, gotcha. Wow. Certain certain commercials. That's crazy. So he did quite a bit, quite a few things, you know. And of course. He would let you know. He'd let anybody know. He would love to let everybody know what he did. What he does. <laughs> there were times when I would be around someone. I introduced him to him. By the time we left there in five minutes, they already knew almost everything about him. <laughs> they knew he more would, than you did. He graduated from SMU. And he, he, he worked for General Motors. Uh, uh, yeah, it's all coming back to me. All these things that you're saying, yeah. like I remember these from <laughs> from moments where he would have his soapbox moment explaining oh, and everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. You know, he, he liked to talk so much that sometimes he could actually come to bore you or some people, but I never just say anything to him. I said, yeah, we just let him talk. But Eugene, that already passed away, our nephew, my nephew, his cousin, uh, one time he came to visit from uh, England, and uh, way back 15, 15 years, I don't know, 15 years, 18 years ago, <clears throat> somebody was sick, I think his mother was sick, my sister. Anyway, he came over, <clears throat> and uh, there's so much it disturbed him. We were at, a, at the hospital, and at the waiting room, he was sitting there with my brother David. Mm-hmm. And of course, David would hardly ever stop talking, telling him everything about himself. About himself. Uh-huh. Nobody asked him. He just tell him, you know. He just go. So one. T- so while he was here, I told him, Eugene, I want to invite you to go to a Mexican restaurant in Grand Prairie. It's real nice. Mm. Oh yeah, I'd love to go with you. So he came by himself. Uh, he, his wife had stayed in, in England. Oh, okay. 
he came to the house and he was sitting on the couch. And so I said, uh, well, we're just about ready on purpose. Went up and I said, Joyce, are you ready? I said, yeah. I said, oh, uh, Gene, I, just, I was testing him. I said, Gene, we'll have to wait a little bit longer because David's on his way. He said, what? Oh, no. He went like that. He said, David's coming. I said, oh, gosh, I'm sorry, man. He said, what? Go, God. I said, I'm just kidding. <laughs> wow. He said, oh, I'm sorry. He said, I'm sorry, but, man, Uncle David, man, he'll just run your hairs off. He'll, he, he, everything, he talks about everything about himself, everything about him, everything. Yeah. And nobody could put anything in there. Anyway, that's exactly what exactly but I knew how he was, so I didn't pay attention to him. Yeah. Well, it's your brother. You, yeah, he got a different kind of different kind of callous to that. I did. I did tell him one time, you know, in the nursing home. I said, David, I just want you to know something. You tell everything, everything you ever did, your even your sins and your problems and everything. I said, <laughs> David, you're an open book, man. I'm not an open book about those things. Those things are not that business. None of nobody's business, whatever happened to me in my life. Only what I want to share. Sure. I said, but you're open like an open book, man. He said, oh, I know, man. I talk too much. I said, <laughs> it's a rumor. Okay. It's, it's, it's a rumor. I've been accused. I've been accused of it. I mean, I mean I'm a talk show host now. I mean, we're all talkers. So he's not the problem. Yeah, entertainers, <laughs> preachers, talkers. We're all talkers. talkers. Yeah, talkers. Yeah. I think uh, you want to take a break really quick. Yeah, let's break. Okay. Yeah, let's take a break. But yeah, um, so yeah, that's very interesting about David. I didn't know know all that. Um, so what about the uh, like the '60s and '70s when music started to get a little bit more experimental and out there? Okay, well, I believe I'll tell you this. I never did like real crazy rock, real heavy mm. rock. I never did Nick Cave. Now, what was the guitar black guy that died of drugs? Hendrix. Hendrix. Uh, I didn't even pay attention to him. I didn't like him. Uh, not him. I mean his music. I didn't mm. care for it. Until finally later on, I started watching him a little. I said, oh, wow, that guy can play the guitar. Mm. And he, he really could play the guitar. Right, backwards. He could sing, but his guitar was mainly his main tool. Oh, like, yeah. Primarily. But back in the, I'm going to say right around the early 60s, especially uh, mid-60s, I'd say more like mid, early to mid-60s, sometime before the Beatles came up soon after, uh, I really started playing, paying attention to the one that really got my attention was Creedence Clearwater. Oh yeah. And Russell knows that. Way in the '60s, man. When I first heard that group, I thought, "Wow." Yeah. I was traveling a little bit for Hess, you know, a guy I was working for a company. Okay. Uh, selling products, uh, traveling salesman, uh, awards things. Gotcha. And um, and right away, I stopped somewhere and bought me a, a cassette of the Creedence Clearwater. Hmm. And that's where I heard all those real good songs. And I really, really took a liking to those guys. Yeah. And especially uh, Midnight Special and, oh, I can't remember. Down around the corner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, the boys, the little boys dancing on the street. Mm -hmm. I mean, all those, I can't remember the names of them, but uh, I really, really liked I remember Russell, my son, uh, I know he's here. Uh, we would be back there in that pool room, and he might have been... 15, 14, 14, 15. 14. And uh, he enjoyed it because I liked the music and he took a liking to it right away too. Mm. So we would enjoy hearing that music back there in that game room. Yeah. We were playing pool. Yeah. 
And, uh, and then I started hearing, later on I started hearing about the doors and uh, many, many of the monkeys, I don't know who all, lots and lots of groups, so many of them. Uh, but not two of them, not too many of them got my attention. When the Beatles first came out, what was it, about 68, 69 or so? Oh, well, I mean, they would have... What do you think, Russell? They started 64, 65. Yeah, oh, yeah, about 65. Well, in America, probably. In America. Yeah, yeah. Talk about Ed Sullivan. Yeah, well, when I first heard them, I didn't think I liked them at first. Hmm. It didn't... It didn't I don't, stand I didn't, out to you. I don't know about these guys. And they look funny. Those mop heads. You mop know? top. Yeah. <laughs> the mop heads. <laughs> and, uh, but then, uh, little by little, and then with Russell around, and all I started listening to those songs, I thought, wow, those songs are good. Hmm. And I really started liking their songs. And then I realized that those guys were good. Hmm. Of course, the first time they really, really came on big time was Ed Sullivan's show. Sure. And that's when people really, really started really paying it, just like with Elvis Presley. Yeah. Of course, Elvis Presley was always a real favorite right away because now I'm thinking, before your mom and I married, uh, my wife and I married, uh, we got together around 58 sometime, late 58, we got married. Uh, a little before that, uh, I think it was 50s, late 57, Elvis Presley was coming to the Cotton Bowl mm. and performed. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's the first time that we even thought about wanting to see him, but we'd heard of him, and I, I was already liking his songs. Mm-hmm. Hadn't been on very very long, but he was coming to Dallas. Wow. So my sister Josie and my wife Josephine, but at that time we were not married. Uh, Richard, my brother, that played the guitar real well. Mm-hmm. And I think Sam and Delia went with us, my brother and his wife. He might have been married by then, barely, my brother. I moved to see him, and uh, the the platform they had on the middle of the the football field was just a a wooden platform that couldn't have been more than about a foot and a half or two high. Oh wow! And so he was standing on it, and then they had the stand up big tall antenna on a round base, uh-huh. and it was you know that metal looking. Yeah, the big was, metal was, chunky mic. Yeah, yeah. Thing. And uh, but he could take it off there, you know. Mm-hmm. He could take it off with that cord. Mm-hmm. And boy, he started singing some of those songs. He started rolling on the ground, and I mean, on the even on the grass. He would go down there and roll on the grass while he was singing, you know, <laughs> making all that, checking all that stuff. <laughs> and all the girls, ah! <laughs> the young girls are going crazy. Because I was just trying to think, take it in. I thought, yeah. man, this guy's a little bit too far out, man. Yeah. <laughs> but little by High little, energy. You know, yeah, we little by little we accepted what he's doing, and hmm. and at first it just seemed like he was almost not proper. Yeah. And then later on I thought, well, what's what's he doing? He's not doing nothing real bad. He just, probably, you know, he he gets all he knows he knows what he's doing. Yeah. Because he knows the girls really like that, and mm. they really did. Entertainer. You know, some of them cried and everything for trying to get to him, but they couldn't. Well, that's the interesting time about. That's the interesting thing about that time period of music is how the technology couldn't keep up with the the you know the audience, the people yeah. like the Beatles when they were started. I mean, they couldn't even hear how they were playing because people were screaming so loud while they were yeah, playing, yeah. and that, that's why that's why they they had to nod their heads so intensely when they were playing so they could actually keep time with each other and just play as best they could. Um, it, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it, it was fun, and especially 
accepting that kind of music little by little. To me, that wasn't like a hard, terrible hard rock. Mm -hmm. The hard rock were those other guys that were too, too deep to to all that. To me, I, I was just Crazy, too much. Like metal, heavy rock. Heavy rock. Yeah, yeah. I never did care for it. Uh, I never have still. But <laughs> some of them, like uh, uh, Dave, David, what's his name? Bowie. David Bowie. Mm -hmm. I started liking him yeah. real well. And, uh, uh, gosh. What, what about Zeppelin? Did you ever like Zeppelin? Oh, yeah, Zeppelin? some of his songs were good. Yeah, some yeah. of them were very good. Yeah. And what's the name of the other guy that, uh, <clears throat> now he begins singing uh, more like love songs now. Rod Stewart. Yeah, Rod Stewart. Mm -hmm. I remember? Faces. Oh, listen oh, to him. Sing it again, Rod. <clears throat> we used to listen to him in the house there with Russell, and mm -hmm. I really started liking him. Yeah, I know you like Buffalo Springfield, right? Yeah, some of those songs, yeah, I yeah. really did. Some of them I did like. And even the, who was it, the three, Big Mama, three, three, three? Oh, the Mamas and the Papas. Mamas and the Papas. Yeah. And some of those that are a little more mellow or more, yeah. not so wild. That kind, the, the Laurel Canyon kind yeah, of yeah. music. Yeah, yeah, but now, now you go back to the old rock, like uh, uh, Joe, Big Joe Turner, and, uh, uh, those were some of my favorites, uh, Fetch Domino, James Brown, only certain songs. I didn't like his weird, weird singing sometimes when it got too strong. <laughs> yeah. But some of his songs I, I did like. That high energy of James yeah, Brown. Yeah. <laughs> or Little Richard. Yeah. Little Richard. Yeah, Little some Richard's of those songs I like too, yeah. And, uh, and so uh, there was a song that he, that I used to know the whole song, Slower <clears throat> Number, uh, that uh, I'm trying to think what it was. Uh, little Richard, and I've never, I've never forgot the words if I can remember. Sometimes I have to just try to remember the song itself mm -hmm. or the tune, mm -hmm. and then I can remember the words. Yeah, right. If I knew the words, I'll remember them. Right. <clears throat> but uh, it's like uh, Midnight Special. The, the Mitchell said uh, Kansas City. Yeah. I haven't sung Kansas City in a long time, but if I start singing it, I can remember the words. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And same thing with two or three or four other songs that I that I like. I got a woman and all those things. But uh, I started appreciating a lot of that music more and more, especially in the late 60s mm -hmm. and then into the 70s. And then you could see some of the changes of some of the different guys coming in more and more. Well, yeah, well, that's because I mean I think we said that maybe on the on the last uh, episode that uh, the 70s to me is kind of that's where almost any current genre of music or new version of it kind of started to erupt from, whether it was like mm -hmm. punk or rap or mm -hmm. uh, techno. I mean, all that stuff was just in the very beginning um, during that time, um, which I guess is more your period where you were really focused on the new music scene and what was going on. Mm -hmm. So what, what dad, which one, like what, what artists were the ones that not, I, I'm trying to think of the best way. They weren't controversial, but they were cutting edge, you know, kind of like, well, I remember like he's, even as my dad was saying that, um, he, he, it's like he's saying that transition and the bands and the singers and people that were controversial, like Elvis was controversial at that day. And mm -hmm. But I remember I wanted to go to a Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young concert, and you would not let me go because you said, no, there's too much drugs and those hippies. And, and then later I liked it. Crazy people there. And I'm like, Dad, I just want to go listen to the music. <laughs> and um, Alice Cooper, you couldn't stand Alice Cooper, but that was part of the reason why I liked it because it was offensive. Mm. Um, <laughs> uh, so, I mean, I was liking some of the music he didn't like, the, which is generation 
inspirational thing, right? But at the same time, now I see that I had I had a lot of music in me. I had I was I had an appreciation for music, and I grew up around music, and I like to listen to music. And so, even though I didn't play an instrument, I definitely can't sing worth the flip. But mention that we took I did take you to concerts. Oh yeah, we'd go to concerts. He took me to see uh, Al Green in Chicago. Oh and, wow, uh, really? I mean, and Al Green was the opening act for Chicago, and this was the first tour of the first Chicago album. Oh, wow. Yeah. wow. And Al Green was the And Al opener. Green was the opening. I remember, remember that he was dressed in that white suit and he had a big vase full of roses and he was throwing them at the women oh, and that, they were going crazy. He, and, was, he was really good. Oh, wow. He could see, oh, wow, wow, that's crazy. Yeah, we didn't even know who he was, really. I mean, I don't think, but, but well, oh my gosh. What, what a, when was that? That would have been 70s, early 70s. And what about the guy that sang, I wake up in the morning, well, cause, well, I put a pair down on my face and I say hi. Oh, uh-huh. If that's not loving me, then that's uh, not loving me. Then Otis, I have to say, is that o- not Wilson Pickett? God didn't make Otis, Otis Redding, Wilson no. Pickett. God didn't make little green apples, and I think I love But we went to concerts. He did take me to some concerts. Well, and, and didn't Al, but didn't Al Green pass away like shortly after? No, that? no, no. Okay. Green's still alive. Oh, oh he's wait, still who alive. am I thinking? He's a Christian of? now. Who am I thinking? Right, Russell, he became a Christian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But let me tell you, that guy that sang that song. Uh, who am I thinking? Uh, one time we went to see him somewhere, and I don't know. We went to a restaurant right after, <clears throat> just by chance. We met him. Yeah, it was me and Russell, I mean, I'm sorry, myself and my wife, and Richard, my brother, and Mm -hmm. his wife, Nancy. And we were sitting by a... O.C. Smith. O.C. Smith, exactly. Yeah, and he was good. And we were sitting uh, at a table here next to a railing, Mm -hmm. and the little uh, passageway to the bathroom, Mm -hmm. and O.C. Smith was coming out. Well, I saw him in the bathroom, I remember. I went to the bathroom, and I came back and told Richard and Nancy and Josie, I said, guess what? I just had a conversation with O.C. Smith. He said, oh, come on. He said, he was in the bathroom. I started talking to him. I saw him. I said, hey, man, I really like your music. I told him I liked his music and his singing and everything. He said, thank you and all. And I said, I really, I did, man. I said, oh, really? And I said, yeah. Well, he started coming back down. I said, hey, O.C. And he stopped me. I said, did I just talk to you in the bathroom? Yeah, man, we sure did. <laughs> you know, you know, just to confirm to them that yeah. they believe me, but I want them to hear it. Sure, you know, yeah, yeah. Since he was coming right <laughs> by, so I, I can remember all the different ones. Well, we he knew uh, you knew uh, Sam the Sham, right? Sam the Sham. We met Sam the Sham. Uh, you know, Wooly Bully Woody and Woody. Little Red. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, so we saw him at the fair, I think, one no, time. No, we saw him at the football game. Cowboy okay, game. cowboy game, but it was at the fair. It was at the state fair where the cowboy used to play oh, the state uh, maybe fair it might have at the been Cotton there. Bowl. Yeah. Back then, it was the Cotton okay, Bowl. Okay, I think. So we met uh, Sam the Sham. We met Charlie Pride, the country remember, western singer who mm, just passed but, away. But remember, Sam the Sham invited us to go to his house in Irving. Oh, I remember. We saw the gold records. He had the gold yeah. records for Wooly Bully and Little Red Riding Hood. And well, wow. the reason I knew him, though, excuse me, is because I was a supervisor in a in a, in a, in a little warehouse, uh-huh. and I was over the guys there. And he came to work there, and he was working under me. Uh-huh. And he hadn't quite got famous. Well, he hadn't gotten famous yet, mm. but he was on his working on his still music. Busking, and all yeah, that. still moving. And he told us, "Hey, man, yeah, I'm playing. I have a band, all that stuff. Well, we never thought he was gonna get famous. Uh-huh. That was probably around 1965, mm-hmm. 43. Yeah. Sham and the yeah. Pharaohs. 63, maybe 62. Wow. That's crazy. And." Uh, <clears throat> So I knew him, and that's how I knew him. He worked there about a couple of three months, and he went on doing something else. And that's why when we saw him at that football game, he said, hey, man, come on and go to my house. We'll have a beer mm. or something, you know. 
And then we did. And that's mm-hmm. when I said we saw his, his records. Oh, wow. records. That's crazy. The wall. So we got to meet him and, I mean, see him. And and uh, he went on to, uh, uh, well, he, he became a Christian. Later on in life, I mean, like maybe 20 years later or mm-hmm. earlier, he became mm-hmm. a Christian. And I got to tell you this real quick. <clears throat> Shorty, my brother-in-law, his wife, my wife, Josie, and Sam Delia, my brother and his wife, six of us, they were having a concert at Fort Worth. And he was going to be in there. But see, the reason he did, he wouldn't play rock music anymore, music. Because mm-hmm. he said, I don't want to, I'm just playing for the Lord. Mm. But I didn't know he was going to perform there. I just knew, we knew some of the guys were going to be there. Like, oh, okay. Back then, Fetch Domino's, I don't know who all, some of those well-known guys back then. So we went, and you know that we could have gotten killed that night. We would have gotten killed, I'm sure, uh, because when we went there, I don't know why we we left from Fort Worth and coming down the freeway and went right by the Hyde Regency, you know, the big building, and we were over this bridge, going over the bridge, and Hyde Regency is right here mm-hmm. downtown. Mm-hmm. And back then they didn't have these big high bridges that they have now. Mm-hmm. They were lower. And uh, not all the way to the ground, but I mean, a little lower. Sure. But down there was 35, it's Highway 35. And we're, I think we're going to a club that night, because it was a club that mm. black dudes had played jazz, mm-hmm. and Sam and Shorty especially like jazz. We're on our way. That's where we're going, I'm sure. Otherwise, we would have been going that way that, after the concert. So <clears> here <throat> we're going, and I'm not kidding you, I'm driving. And all of a sudden, you've seen those huge trailers, that flat trailers, that are behind big, big trucks sometimes mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. big vehicles, mm-hmm. and they have a real long steel tongue. I mean, it might be eight foot long or more, mm. and ten feet probably. You know, just a real long metal steel tongue, mm-hmm. and the and the wheels are f- uh, eight wheels. I mean, I mean, f- two two mm-hmm. and two two. Mm-hmm. And it's a big, huge trailer, all made out of steel. Okay. And it's probably about this tall, maybe this tall, with those wheels. And it's wide as more than probably about this wide as this. And, and we're going along like this, and I'm telling you, if we'd have gotten here about another second or so uh, later, mm-hmm. that trailer just went, phew, I mean, right in front of us, like that. And what happened, it came loose from big rig or whatever it was down there. Mm, yeah. And it was going so fast, it just came up real fast and it hit just like that. And if we, I mean, just count one, one and a half, one. Yeah, if you were ahead, yeah. It would have just gone right into our, right into our car. I'm sure it would all have gotten yeah. killed. Don't watch out. It would have gotten killed. It was so big and strong and heavy. Hmm. And so we, we just realized that then and said, we, were, we could have gotten killed another second or so. Hmm. Uh, that we had a little bit yeah, yeah, yeah. In there. Right. it would have happened so we had that experience it was terrible but you know you get over it and you go party already again <laughs> well, let's let's go back to that um, I, I remember um, when you were doing some traveling like that and you, you were listening to Credence but at the same time you would bring back 8 tracks and you yeah. would let me and Libby 
we would lay in the front of the cars back then when the the front end of cars were as long as couches and you could you know we'd lay out there and just turn the car on and and put a a track in there and listen to it because i remember listening to the diana ross and the temptation and the supremes and mm. the temptations and motown and stevie wonder because you like motown too mm. and you would bring your your eight tracks back and we would listen to them in the car we didn't know what they were at the time but you know that's where i got my love for motown and and uh, hearing all mm. those all those groups singing and um, and we would just stay out there for a long time, just listening to music. Plus, we grew up. He would they would take us to music to to shows. Uh, Don Ho, uh, which was kind of a pop, you know. Uh, you got to see Don Ho. Yeah, yeah. You took us to see Don Ho. I'm almost positive you did. I don't remember. I know we did in Las Vegas. But we used to listen to Don Ho. We used to listen to a oh, lot of yeah. the people that they liked. We would listen to him, of course. But mm. but you would listen to a lot of different music. You would listen to country and pop and and some some uh, or like you said the early rock and some of the soul and um, so we would get a mixture of a lot of different music and um, you know and I look at that now and I think okay I don't I'm, I never played an instrument but I love music and I love to listen to music and I love to, to listen you know hear it think about it how does it how are they making it and you know who's singing and who's doing this and who's doing that and um, and so I mean I, I would you remember that when I was back in the pool room I, I would listen to records for a long time, just listen to music and and um, and record music that I record from the TV if they were playing on a television show or mm. um, and um, make my own little cassettes. I would make my own little play mixes, my, my mixes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um, you know, so I, I I realized that a lot of that has to do with you know you had you you liked music and you listened to music and so I already in some ways I already had an ear for it. I just didn't understand you know what. What necessarily was my thing, but I just loved to listen to. I remember, in fact, the early uh, Looney Tunes cartoons. They would always play classical music. That was the background oh, right. yeah, music yeah. for the cartoons. Mm -hmm. And so I'd say, "Wow, that's a great piece of music. I like that." And then I found out it was Mozart or Beethoven or, mm -hmm. or you know, Tchaikovsky or something like that. And and so I would listen to classical because I liked the movements. I liked the, the the different changes and the sounds in it. But I didn't understand. I was I was getting music appreciation. I was learning. Learning to, to yeah. listen to music, right? You know, and and hear the differences in what people were doing and and listening. Because I mean, like you like you said, I grew up hearing a lot of different styles of music, and I grew up listening to music when y'all would play music at parties and stuff like that. And yeah. you and Uncle Richard or your Uncle David or whoever was there, y'all would just get up and start playing, start singing. You know, and somebody would start playing the guitar, and y'all yeah. would start singing. And I, that's uh, probably one of my earliest uh, memories as a child is y'all playing music in early. That's why I remember Kansas City. Because I remember y'all singing that song, and I just remember you know uh, hearing those old songs, and 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 so I also have a love for fifties music, and that's why because y'all used to sing all the old fifties music, hmm. and you know because you grew up with that, and that was y'all stuff, and you loved that, and so I mean I I loved listening to fifties stuff, and uh, but then I I enjoyed listening to the sixties and seventies, and again I was getting you were you didn't realize it, but you were getting me into it because you were playing those, listening to those songs, and I was listening to them. So I listened to that, and then I jumped off into the 70s, like you said, where <laughs> things got weird. <laughs> but I'm like, you know what? I kind of like that. you know. So, I mean, I would play that music, and sometimes you'd say, well, I don't like that music. And sometimes you're like, you know, what is that? I like that. And so we'd be well, playing. That's kind of the 70s, right? Yeah, <clears> we'd <throat> play pool, and, and we would listen to the same music. We'd listen to Creedence Clearwater. Or One thing that I... Uh... I remember when Russell <clears throat> is that uh, he started buying albums. Mm. I thought I thought, man, I must have wanted to accumulate so many. I thought the Beatles. 
You might buy the Beatles at first, you know. Yeah, yeah. And he had good, good albums. And uh, the 78s or whatever, 33s, whatever yeah, you call it. Yeah. And, uh, and so then, uh, little by little, he started accumulating Rod Stewart and I don't know who all, all kind of other name brands, you know, known yeah. guys. And, uh, but then later on, he, uh, he got rid of them. And he knows, he knows he did. He's sorry he did. <clears throat> but uh, I was thinking about uh, uh, the Hawaiian guy again. Uh, Don Ho. Yeah, what was his song? We used to sing in the Tiny car. Tiny Bubbles. Tiny oh, Bubbles. Yeah. Wow, I haven't thought about that song in a long time. Wine Make me makes happy. me happy. Makes me, happy. Makes me feel <laughs> fine. <laughs> Tiny Bubbles makes me warm all over. Like the feeling when you're gonna... Uh, I like the feeling when you're gonna love you from all time. I like the feeling when I'm gonna love you from from the end of time. So here's to the golden moon, and here's to the golden sea. But mostly here's a toast for you and me. It's a big song. Yeah. Anyway, (laughs) we went to Las Vegas for the first time. uh, Mm -hmm. (coughs) uh, My wife and I. uh, That had to be like 68, 69, Mm -hmm. and for the first time, and and when we saw that he was going to be there, we wanted to see him, Mm -hmm. and we did. And that stage was real wide, and he had a hula girls all the way across, dancing. Oh, wow. All the way, and he was right in the middle in front, singing all those Mm -hmm. songs. People really, really liked him, we did too. And then we saw Eddie Fisher, there was... I think back then he was married to Debbie Reynolds at that time, mm-hmm. not to not to uh, Elizabeth Taylor yet. And uh, and then we saw a name on one of those uh, show Marquee. things, and I thought I told you, Mom, I said I don't know who that guy is. I don't. You want to go and say I don't. We don't know who he is. And I wish we had gone. He was. Humperdinck. Engelberg. Engelberg Humperdinck. Mm. We saw I said, what kind of a crazy name? <laughs> what kind of name is that? <laughs> Engelberg Humperdinck. I said, shut Well, later on, we thought, oh, I wish we had seen him. Because <laughs> yeah. he turned out that's, to be so popular. He was, how, he was big in that period of time. Mm. But here's a little add to the uh, Don Ho stories that when Joanna was in high school and her class or whatever. Uh, uh, Joanna is my sister. Yeah, Joanna is Russell's sister and my daughter and Papa's granddaughter. Um they they went to Hawaii and and when they were there and they were on the beach, oh, yeah. it happened to be the day that Don Ho's ashes were scattered and thrown into the ocean. Oh so, wow! So she so, got to see it. That's crazy. <laughs> I remember hearing that. Wow. So I thought that is really cool. That, that that's crazy. And then, <laughs> so what what are I know you told me some, but I want you to, because there might be some I don't know about. What are some of the concerts that you went to? Wow. Um, gosh. Then you told me about Springsteen at one Springsteen, point. Kiss, Bob Seger, The Who, uh, Linda Ronstadt, Jackson Brown. Where um, did you see The Who at? Uh, in Dallas. All these would have been Dallas. Mm, okay. The, yeah, Dallas uh, Convention Center, the Memorial Convention. I think it was a Memorial. There was, a, We used to go to the McFarland, which was on SMU campus grounds. Oh, okay. They would, a lot of times they would come to some of the smaller uh, uh, concert venues in the colleges. Mm. Or they would. there was a couple of different concert uh, venues back then. But um, 
And so there was a couple, like when my dad said, I mean, he took me to see uh, Chicago and Al Green. There was something else you and I went to see. You told me because I, I think I forgot. I went. We went. But um, did you see any concerts when you were in the Navy? Yes, I did. I saw McCartney. Uh, yeah, because you saw McCartney on his last Wings tour, right? Uh, I don't know about that, but it was in it was in 79. Glasgow. I saw him in Glasgow at the Apollo, which is where all the a lot of the, you know it's the big famous concert hall in England. Mm. Where, you know, um, and you well got to see him. And you got, got to see him sing Molo Kintyre to the audience. I saw several bands there. Um, that, um, but yeah. Uh, and then when I was a station in Washington D.C., I saw bands in D.C. and in Philadelphia. I would go to Philadelphia sometimes to see some of the bands that would that that was touring. Um, so, yeah, I went to a lot of concerts. And um, and you were you were in you were in the Navy when Lennon died, right? Yeah, yeah. I was at a, I was standing at a taxi stop. He died back then. Yeah, 80. 80. It was 1980. December there was a little old Scottish man. I just walked up to get, to catch a taxi or a bus, and, and he says, Hey, Yank, did you hear? They killed John Lennon. I said, Ah, you don't know what you're talking about. He goes, Ah, I do know what I'm talking about. He says, He's dead. And I was, Ah. He's like, Oh, whatever. He was, <laughs> we're yelling at each other. And he was right. And what year was that? It was 80. Yeah, because he said he like went into a bar afterwards and all everybody, everybody was, was talking about was talking it. About everybody it was circled talking around the TV. It. Yeah, and he, but that was the old, the old Scottish man told me, He goes, They killed. Did you hear? They killed John Lennon. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm going to share something with you about that. He was, uh, when he died, before, well, after he died, I felt sorry for him. I thought, man, that poor guy, he might have gone to hell because some of the things he did and all that. But then I started looking at his biography, and I heard some, I read some real good things about him towards the end mm. that he did. Oh, helping he, people. He, and, I mean, he put, he, put music, he put his career aside for five yeah. entire years. So he, he didn't even touch his guitar for five entire years to make mm. sure he raised his new son right compared to Julian. Which, oh, Sean. Sean, yeah. yeah. But no, but he did some good things. I can't remember exactly what they were. He did a lot of good things. He was a very intelligent man. He was very yeah, sharp. I'm talking very about different. sharing. He did sometimes help people to share with people and all that stuff. Yeah. If you look it up, you'll see whatever it was. It's a very. And it kind of shown that changed my thinking about mm, it. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean he. He, he's an interesting example for stardom, you know, and what celebrity can do to people. Because when the Beatles started, mm-hmm. yeah, he was a musician, but he was kind of like you, you know, or he had a family, but he was a musician. Just, But he, like you might have had less of an inclination to make it in a career. He just wanted it to be a career. And that was the biggest difference. And then they made it, and then that just overtook him, you know. No personal life, nothing like that anymore. It's all in the news. It's all everywhere. You know, it's going to change people. But it seems like, yeah, towards the end, he he had a reassessment of mm-hmm. what to do, and it's interesting because their last album, Double Fantasy, after he t- didn't touch music for five years, it was easier for him to make music because he had just taken the time off. But mm-hmm. it's interesting, very yeah, interesting what person. Do imagine? Was uh, it towards the end? No, that was 70, 1970. Yeah, that was the beginning of his solo career. So, yeah, he had an interesting flow because, you know, in interviews, you kind of, from the people that really knew him, he was just such a 
a, a vibrant, open person that kind of, if he got into the wrong crowd, he became a different person. Yeah, he, was you dark. Know? he could be dark and very violent, very but, yeah. uh, abusive. Yeah, but it was, and, and he, I mean, he had a troubled background and, and stuff, but uh, he's just a very interesting person. And But yeah, he, you know, just like Elvis and, and all those early rock, you know, heroes, it's just like that, that career takes a toll on you, you know, it, it changes you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the demand. Yeah. Well, I remember a side is that you, you and me were in the front room, I actually remember, of the house that you're still in, uh, 411 Cliftown. And um, the Beatles had broken up. They had just announced it, and we were we just happened to be watching the TV, and they were they were doing like a little mini documentary or video, and and they were playing. Uh, I think it was the Long and Winding Road. I'm pretty sure it was something from Let It Be. And you and I were standing there, were talking about it, and and I remember it actually was. I, I remember kind of got a little emotional because I thought, man, the Beatles are done. They're gone because uh, Carvajal's the the Domingo Carvajal, a good friend of my dad's, and we grew up around them. And they had a lot of kids, and I remember two of their older kids were insane Beatle fans. I mean, mm. they they had Beatle stuff all over this room. I mean, it was like like Beatle mania. I mean, they had they had even gotten one of those nice uh, pieces of wood and 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 had it uh, shellacked, put put pictures on it, and then had it uh, shellacked over and hung it up like a real nice uh, you know like a monument, like a monument. And they had rec album covers and the pictures, and I mean, it was like this Obsessed. whole this whole room was it was covered. The I remember going in there and like, and, and, and they were just all they did was talk about the Beatles. You know, they were just obsessed with the Beatles. And they were probably how, how in the world did he start being able to sing like Elvis? I don't that I don't know. This yeah, that, it's they, really one amazing. Of the, yeah, one of those guys is able to sing and he looks like Elvis. The older one, the mm. other one died. The younger he, one died. He's this. He's an Elvis impersonator. Oh, I know him. Yeah, yeah, you've oh, seen yeah. that. Yeah, he was at my yeah, party. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. 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 So that was the kid. He was one. Gotcha. Of them. Okay. So you know how it was. You 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 go to someone's house and the older kids. Wow, they're the cooler kids and they understand stuff. They didn't understand nothing. They just were hooked on the Beatles and yeah. you know they were. But yeah. I remember how how just intense. Beatles for them was everything. You know, what I mean, they were like, "That's no, no, you, you don't understand." You know, I mean, they're talking, you know. So the White Album. I mean, they were like all raving over the lyrics. You know, what does it mean? Mm. What does all this mean? And Glass Onion, and and what are they talking about? And what's, you know, <laughs> that's and, so funny. And and so I remember them. I'm like, wow, that's really intense. But I mean, I was I liked the Beatles at that time, just like you know most kids did at that. Mm. You know, there was I was in my I guess. 10, 11, 12 period, you know, something like yeah. that, 12, 13. Yeah. But I remember when they did, I remember when they broke up and you and I were in the front room uh, and we were just looking at the news and just, I remember thinking, oh man, it's kind of weird. But then, then you move forward, like you said, and then John Lennon, I was, you know, in the Navy when Lennon passed away. And um, but, but do you know that uh, Mingo Carvajal, the guy that we're talking about, mm-hmm. uh, that's all he's ever done for a living? They might have had a different job way back. But for many, many years, that's all he's made a living from. Elvis. It's an Elvis impersonator. Performing in restaurants, clubs. He's got the hair. And uh, <laughs> Yeah, and he's got the voice. I have to admit that uh, he's pretty close hmm. to the sound. Tejano. Yeah. Tejano Elvis. No, no, yeah, when I hear him sing and you close your eyes, sometimes you say... Yeah, he, yeah he's he got the uh, the tone and the, mm, the impersonation. Mm-hmm. The tone. But see, that's interesting, isn't it? Because it shows you the power of, of music and, and of, of someone iconic like Elvis that someone who can imitate him, people will pay to listen to someone sing oh, like yeah. him. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and that, that's really a, a testimony to, well, Elvis had a great voice. I mean, you know, he did. He, 
He really did have. Don't a think horse. that's controversial to say. Not now. I mean, <laughs> that's before all the shaking and all that stuff, you know. <laughs> but that's that's interesting. You bring up um, just just uh, out of coincidence that you bring up the White Album um, and their appreciation for that, because to me personally, that was the White Album by the Beatles was my introduction to music. the 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 next level of complexity of music. What what, what do you mean by White? Was that the coincidence? That, that was the name of the it. album. That's yeah. what they yeah. I don't remember what they called. Yeah, it was just a blank album that said the. It, just, it, was, it was just white and it said the Beatles, but it had uh, thirty tracks on it. You know some of the oh, songs. Okay. Black uh, Blackbird, Revolution. Oh, the album itself was white. Yeah, yeah, oh, okay. it was just all white. It had Happy Birthday, the Beatles song, oh, okay. Happy Birthday. Um, but it was just a big compilation of their work at the time because they were kind of at creative differences, but they were making a lot of music. Sometimes with not all together, but just a few of them or just one of them, and they was they they had already made Apple Records themselves, so they were that was their first production as well let's just get out this project of all this work we've done um, recently but but to me I don't remember what year this would have been I had to have been like 12 13 so maybe like 2010 I guess no before that yo way before that that. 2007 Mm -hmm. it was when they started re-releasing the uh, the remaster or no they started re-releasing the remasters of the Beatles albums and they were doing um, like these special CD sets and and you you only bought one of them it was the white album one and um, at that point like I, I you know we we didn't listen to too many too much secular music but the 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 Beatles were always around but it was like their hits you know I want to hold your hand I feel fine that kind of stuff and so all my life at that point I was like the Beatles you know happy bop music rock cool you know good stuff and, and we watched Help the movie, which is you know all goofy and Absolutely. funny, Absolutely. And, and 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 so that was my idea of the Beatles. And so as I'm approaching and you know getting out of my adolescence into being a teenager, then you buy the White Album, um, which was my first introduction to the White Album, but also kind of my introduction to an album because it was radio or it was like what was on TV. I, I didn't I didn't have a CD. I didn't have a vinyl. You know, because I'm at this period where early mid 2000s you know music's on itunes now it's on cds are kind of they're still popular but itunes and ipod is the that's what you want so to me it was radio radio was how i knew music and whatever y'all played Mm -hmm. and so when i heard the white album uh, I, I didn't know what to t- think of it because it was so much. There was so much variety, and 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 there were story songs. There were dark, heavy rock. There was um, blues. There was um, orchestra things. You know, story-led. Um, you know, southern rock song. It was all over the place. But this was the Beatles. Yeah, I was like, but this is the Beatles. You know, revolution. It was just all over the place. I'm like, what is this thing going on? And and that's where I started to. Because I remember having the conversation with you, like listening to, um, I don't remember what song it was, but we were listening to some, I think it was a Chicago song, actually, but we were listening to one song around that time period. I remember telling you, like, as a little kid, like, I like it when the song changes how it sounds like midway through and you're like oh yeah you know the, the tempo change that's that's change like when it happens in music you'll see that's very satisfying and i'm like okay <laughs> and then yeah and then but listening to the white album it was just my first introduction to like the work of an artist and it wasn't just a single that made it through the circuit and got to the pop charts it's like this is if you appreciate the artist you listen to the album you know and and this coming from a generation where when you wanted to buy music, you didn't buy the whole thing. You know, you didn't, song. Yeah, you just you could buy one song. So the single that that 
habit kept out throughout the generations. But if you didn't want to go after an artist, you didn't have to, you know, but it was easier for my generation, but you didn't have to, if you didn't want to. And so you introducing that album to me, one that evolved my perception of, of music, but also just the, the, the background behind it, because, you know, the, it, it, just realizing like that, that to me that put it in the perspective how much work could go into an album because that album's huge you know yeah, it's 30 true. songs it's, it's so work. interesting it's so different um and so to me i mean that was huge um and then as i continue to listen to music that's i would use that that massive variety um example as my example against anything else of like this doesn't change enough this is this sounds just like that that's not entertaining like it was just it was just so interesting so what you've explained about you know building an appreciation for music not vicariously but through connected appreciation you know from y'all to you know it's like this is the same thing with us i mean growing up in the cars listening to cassettes of of, of motown stuff of love and spoonful of, of marvin gay of all, all sorts of different people i mean that's why my ear is definitely geared towards the 60s and 70s but i just i i had the same upbringing i guess is there was always that appreciation and and you playing you know you playing when i was younger mom playing guitar for worship or just whenever and it was just there's this constant appreciation for music um that that none of us ever dropped you one know? thing one thing that amazes me when i'm thinking about all this is um whether it's the beatles or who but the beatles the beatles for one thing mm -hmm. um is how in the world at first you wonder how can they think of all those words? Mm. How can they create those songs themselves? Right. Nobody else. They did. And they were in their 20s. Mostly John Lennon, but then him and Paul yeah. would come up with those songs. And you think, how? And then it amazes me, too, because Roy Orbison, whenever he was in the 60s and 70s, mm -hmm. and he died young, by the way. Right. Uh, Roy Orbison, when I really liked his music, still do. I have a, you know, I think mm -hmm. you gave it to Black me. and white. It's a beautiful I voice. I have it in my, in my car now. And uh, man, when I started hearing his songs, I thought, where does this guy get the knowledge, the in, insight to, to think about all those wordings for all those songs? And then I even think about when I listen to that music that he puts in almost like a symphony behind it and mm -hmm. violins and all that. And then all the girls that are doing the background, mm -hmm. some, some, some more like the Beatles too. But I think he has to be the one that approves the sound. He wants that particular sound on each song to sound the way he has it in his head. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing to me how those guys came up with those. Well, and that's, that's why, especially uh, as an adult, um, that I appreciate, I mean, that's, that's just get back to it, the White Album, um, is because that, that was the first album that Apple Records released, or it might have been the second, I think Magical Mystery Tour, I don't remember how that goes out. Oh yeah, but I think it was that one. And, and what you're describing where, you know, he, he dictated how it went and there was an idea of being worked on from one, you know, key player. That's when they started to have that much control. And I mean, they've always had a good relationship with their producer, but they were the owners. They owned what they were doing and they were running with it. And that, that's another reason why I really like that time period is because you have different artists. You have the people that had enough influence or money or power to where they, they ran the show. Or you had the other people like, you know, like a lot of the Motown artists where they were just, they're told what to do. 
they were given the lines right. they they didn't they weren't able to control things you know the, the engineers were wearing white coats and they were all very particular you didn't do too much but that was like the, the, and they cha- didn't the make change much money. They, yeah they were taking advantage of way back yeah some, some yeah of yeah like people like Smokey robinson and and um but yeah yeah it's just total different dynamics in business and how you handled your art um and 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 um to, to begin to appreciate when someone is such a creative force and I'm going to write it, I'm going to tell you how it's going to go. And, and then when you get into more in the seventies, you have people deciding how it's going to get marketed. This is how I'm going to dress. This is the color palette for the tour, all these weird things that you didn't have to think about because you, you just sing or you, you know, you just, you, you're the session drummer or whatever. I mean, even Marvin Gaye, he, he started as a session drummer, became a, a, a singer, and then started writing his own stuff and then started composing his own stuff. You know, it's like, but the, it took time. You know, he had to have clout. He had to have money and, and power behind him to move him, to you know, to move that needle to get there. Nowadays, it's a little easier to just, you know, do. I mean, it's hard. It's, it's real work. You got to develop something different and you got to practice. But, but then, I mean, you had to know what you were doing, know the right people. And there was no social media. There was no massive way to market yourself. You had to fit the bill and the you know work with the record label the right way but some guys didn't write their own songs they would just sing the songs oh, we sure? to yeah. them. i don't know yeah. about yeah. otis redding do you know if he wrote his own song he wrote a lot of his own really <clears throat> I, I, I think remember remember this one sitting in the morning song oh yeah you know that's i'll be sitting when the evening comes watching the tide roll in i'll be watching when it rolls out again well, sitting on the dock of the bay, wasting time, wasting time. You know, do you, do, that song. do you know the the whistle part of that song? You know, at the very end, yeah, the outro end. when he whistles oh, on yeah, the way yeah, out. Yeah, well, I do, you, do you know why? Yeah, do you know the, the only reason why that's in there is because he died before the track was finished oh really and he was he had he was going to write the second half oh i didn't know that never yeah. never finished it he did he did write it he, yeah and he never sung he never sang it and recorded uh, it but he had recorded or i don't think he's the one whistling he might not even be the one whistling oh no i think he did whistle as a placeholder for how it would go at the end but he never did it and so that's what that is it's his very last one in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, i remember that now that you tell me yeah it's a classic yeah well, you know, I was thinking about that when you were saying, Russell, that um, the there's one side of it where you can know everything that's going on. You can understand who's doing the music, who's writing the music, how they're producing the music, blah, all that stuff. But then there's the other side where you're just listening to the music and you're appreciating the music. So I think of like you, Dad, and Uncle Richard and Uncle David and people that we when I was growing up and then Russell and, and Joanna and Chelsea are my children and they grew up and all the other kids um, grow up listening to people singing songs. They don't know anything about what you're singing. They don't know whether that's rock or pop or Mexican music or they just like the music they just listen to you sing and so there's an appreciation just for create just for doing it just for just for doing the music just for singing and and, and like we do sometimes we all just sing you know everybody sings together and are you enjoy the song you know you know what's coming you know the verse or you know the the the, the melody yeah, it's like a healthy expression yeah it's a it's a communal family thing but but again music like food 
food has has a nostalgic thing to it. It has a it, it connects you to certain points in your life and and certain things that happen. And that's a big thing for me with music. Like I just did it yesterday. I listened to a, an album and I just put it on and I played the one side and then I listened to the whole thing and I turned it and played the other side. Hmm. And even as I was doing, it, I was thinking, you know, I like to just let the the album play. I like to hear it. Yeah, as an artist and intended. just let it play as the artist intended, but just to hear the music. And I did that when I was living at my dad's house where he lives still and and I was in the back room in my little room in the pool room and I would put an album on and I would just play it I would just yeah. let it play and um, and I would listen to the whole thing and then turn and listen to the other, the other side and so I'm just saying there's there's an uh, I think there's something to say about just listening to music and just as there is about getting into the to the to the you know all the nuts and bolts of it yeah it's just like art you can For look sure. at a piece of art and enjoy it and say you know what I just like that painting or that, yeah. or that sculpture but then someone else says yeah but did you know that he did this and when they were doing that and and this happened and this is why he did this and this yeah. is why you do because I'm, I'm I like both sides of it yeah and you can build depths of appreciation that way by being a, a avid listener changing up the variety of what you listen to and the complexity or the professionalism you can also change your your being your uh, thinking because yeah. Yeah, like Russell uh, when he started growing his hair long and I thought what are you growing your hair like that for you know around the Beatle time or something like that like mine and I thought yeah but I thought like and I thought what? but I didn't make him take I didn't make him cut it but other people started being affected by, by the rock music and started getting heavier. And that's what led to your uh, hippie, jippies mm-hmm. guys. And they started getting all that long hair and they started acting like they didn't care about things. And like they, then they started having those concerts out in the open mm-hmm. and all that crazy stuff that used to happen, you know. Mm-hmm. People smoking pot and doing heavy drugs. and But it, music can affect you because you hear all that stuff on those wordings. Oh, yeah. And you hear all that stuff, and you think, oh, man. Huh? Well, it's almost like a mantra to some people. Yeah, yeah. Because it's not just an anthem. thinking, and you start to kind of want to get involved in some of the things that they're talking about. Yeah, yeah and absolutely. it creates... Uh, bad situations for some. Well, and I and I think at least for me, particularly, like I was saying before, I mean, raised by preachers, I mean, a lot. The only secular music when I was really little was like the Beatles. Like I said, like those the hits, and that was like it. And so I, I had I, I had that careful walk around music where it's like I, I appreciate music because I'm around it all the time. I'm around, you know. Uh, um, someone that listens to it all the time and explains to me all these the history and variety of decades and, and sounds and instruments. And I have, you know, another parent that, that's practicing all the time, singing and performing for the church. And, and, and so, and, and you, you know, seeing you at family events, playing guitar and singing the same, I was like, I was constantly appreciative of it. But then, you know, like the commentary both of y'all shared, like I knew that there was there's tangents of music that were different and and the poetry of it or the the meaning behind it was darker or or didn't have a meaning behind it or or it had something that was just it was an artist that exuded chaos their life was chaos they that rock life was you know because that's relative right i mean you can be a rock artist some people could call james taylor a rock artist and you know and he didn't do anything too crazy but you could also call ozzy osbourne a rock artist and there's two different two different worlds um but i always treaded carefully you know about what where music was leading me where the energy you know what what it felt like you know was it because that's why i said that word that some people use as a mantra or as an anthem 
as something to lean on, you know, as like that, that song really resonates with me because that's me. You know, or that that blues artist, that stuff he's crying out. That's the, that's the pain I feel. You know, but then there is more complex emotions that people would compose that that maybe kept you in the dark too much, or kept you in this place that felt like the chaos was okay. You know, and that was one thing that I'm very appreciative, especially as an adult in retrospect, seeing that I had a healthy appreciation and a healthy balance of being aware being critical of the music being critical of the music wasn't just like their timing was kind of it was like every bit of it you know how was it produced was there enough variety what were the lyrics about what was it was the guitar actually emotional or was it just stale in the background there are so many things that came into play about me listening to music that it had the it had the check the right boxes but it also it couldn't guide me to a certain type of thinking you know i didn't want it to make me feel like i wanted to just get away or i wanted to to i don't know be someone i wasn't you know what i mean but that's music it's it's so expressive and interpretive. I, I just uh, i know that as i was saying a while ago that there is music and was the real heavy the real heavy rock that uh that can change people's mentality and uh uh, to the to the point to where I remember when I used to hear those real heavy rockers in the late 60s or way back then mm -hmm. I thought man I don't I don't ever want to have part of that the words that I heard and mm -hmm. some of that stuff I thought hey, no now uh, the the church and other churches will tell you that they think that the real real heavy rockers are guided by the devil the ones that are really really into too deep of the, mm. their wordings and all that stuff and then they lead into drugs and and they're involved those that really get into drugs mm. and sing all kinds of heavy stuff and wordings mm -hmm. some of it's a little too strong and i especially never have liked uh rap music <laughs> I, I don't like it at all and uh, but anyway and even to the point where they say that uh that those people are really and truly more, and I kind of sort of agree that I think that the devil gets a hold of them when they get into just real deep, heavy, strong wordings. And the rock is, especially anything that leads them to start doing bad things, which many of them do. Hmm. And most of those hard rock guys, most of them end up doing drugs, you know, like the Doors, you know. Right. That, what's his name? Jim Morrison. Jim Morrison and other guys that... Uh, some that had died of drugs, but the guitarist, what was his name? Janis Joplin. Oh, no, Janis Joplin. Hendrix. Hendrix and, and some of those. Yeah. It can lead you into doing bad things. Oh, sure. You know? um, or just into the wrong circle. But if yeah. you take the nice music, the more, more not just romantic, but something that's soother and nicer. Yeah. That has to do with life, with good life. I mean, good things. Sure. You know, then that, even if it's a little bit like a little bit of a rock, uh, you know, uh, just, you, you don't have to go in, I don't, I, won't, I never wanted to go into that real deep stuff. Sure. Well, I see music, I mean, music obviously is expression, that's all it is, mm -hmm. but I, I see music, because I mean, uh, humanity, life, I mean, we're, we're, we're here to work and develop, right? No one's the same. No one ever stays the same. No one's work stays the same. But we're constantly doing that. We're constantly changing and working. And so when you put in an effort to express yourself through music, it's just words of affirmation. It's almost like, what, what do you think is important to express right now that you know puts you to a tune, that puts you to a, a relatable note? And, and 
And that, that, I think, you know, I think I always understood that, that you have to be careful about that because wherever you're expressing, if it's from a dark place, then you have to be aware of that, that what you're doing is it's, it, you're, you're putting energy, you're putting movement into something. And if it's not like what you're just saying, if it's not um, positive, if it's, if it's not yeah. uh, uh, loving, if it's not building something or expressing something of appreciation, then you know, just what is it? What is it? And, and to some people, it's an emotional ride and that's all it is. And, but to, to other people, it's just that's not enough because you're not actually working on yourself. You're not working on appreciating something. You're, just, you're, you're, you're putting in a work that's going to express yourself, but is it going to guide you somewhere? Is it going to guide you something somewhere that's healthy? And, and there's people that are going to think about it that, that way, and there's other people that are just like, that's how I feel. And I put it to a darker tune because I felt that way, and here we are. But I don't think some people realize how impressionable you know humans are. That that is what he said before we finish. I just want to say that I'm going back to the old days. I can remember where some uh, Mexican guys, Hispanic mm -hmm. guys, mm -hmm. when you had dances way back then. That's why I didn't particularly like to go later on with him with your with your mom unless it was real nice dances. Because I know a lot, I saw a lot of fights, lots of problems, mm -hmm. deaths, and so uh, I think that certain music creates, as we've talked about, uh, something that affects your thinking. Not only that, but if you have music and drinking combined, then it can really affect your mentality. I'm sure. And in the Mexicanos, especially the ones from Mexico, I don't know why they get crazy when they drink sometimes. Many of them here too, but uh, uh, when in the dances. There were guys that were at the dances that uh, for any little thing, if somebody said anything, mm -hmm. you know, real quick, they wanted to fight. Mm -hmm. But they were drinking. But the music, the music affects them too somehow. They're hearing that music and they get excited and they're having a good time. And, and then they hear some songs that talk about courage and about, you know, having guts and, you know, yeah. whatever. And then some of the Mexicanos would get bold mm -hmm. with uh, wanting to act that, that they should showing that they were Macho. tough yeah. Machos, yeah and uh, it would create a lot of problems in dances and, and bars especially beer joints hmm. i know i know a few guys that have killed people in the beer joints i mean in rock concerts it's nowadays it's normal to have a mosh pit do you know what that is papa mm. a mosh pit do you know what that is yeah, I mean, it's literally, it's very common in, in metal and punk concerts that a mosh pit develops in the front, right in front of the of the stage, where the audience is just kind of fighting each other. They're throwing each other into each other. They're pushing each other. It's just getting out the energy. It's, that's literally, that's all it is. Because yeah. it, it, most time, I mean, I've experienced a couple, but most of the time it's a good faith thing it's like you're we're doing this to get the get the energy out just to get it out you know it's like wrestling it's like you're a wrestler i'm a wrestler you want to wrestle but it's also taking in your to get into your soul oh you, no for sure and you know, and the, i mean the, controlling you right i mean i mean so much of the music dynamics and composure affects people i mean the tempo the the, the verbiage the the instrument they chose to use to express a certain type of feeling but it's just very interesting that that is a that is a part of the culture. Yeah. That let, me, you, let, me, let me give you an example of uh, that's a bad thing. Not any bad words, but uh, this guy told me that he knew this guy. And he said that uh, they they went to a nightclub. I mean a beer joint. Mm -hmm. And he was a from Mexico driving, mm -hmm. and the guy was in the, the driving, listening to music real loud, mm -hmm. and then whatever that music was, and the guy was with him over here, and he said uh, that he'd said, man. 
this music is, this music is so, man, it just makes me go crazy, man. It's so good and so strong, and and it just gets into me, man. Like it just takes over, man, and it makes me go crazy. I just enjoy mm. this music is. It's so, it gets me to feel real intense. And, yeah. and all of a sudden, guess what he did? This fact. He pulled out a gun. He said, it almost makes me want to shoot my brains out, man. <sighs> and the guy shot his head, and the bullet went and put out the eye of the guy that was in the car with him. And truck. And <laughs> that happened. That really happened. The guy that was, that happened to, he told a friend that I know. And he told me, he said, that's what happened to that guy. He went blind from one eye because that guy blew his brains out. He just got so carried away at music. Oh man, this music makes me feel real crazy, man. And then, I'm your shorty, you know, just some crazy dude. He really did it, he blew his brains out, but the bullet went and it was a big pistol. And it went over there and blew his eye out. And wow. It was a strong Good story, Lord. but it's back Good Lord. Clearly my dad hasn't even heard that story. <laughs> That's what music can do. I'm just yes. trying to make a point. Well, no. Well, I, I mean, I mean, I, I think, I think the mosh power. pit is a is a great um, centerpiece of that kind of thing. Because I'm there. There's some interview of um, Dad. You might be familiar, but they're one of the first like punk, like hard. I think they're from Detroit. Like hard, like punk punk rock thrasher like cutting edge people it's like mc5 or m5 something like mc5 and and i remember there's this um there's some old footage of like one of the concert goers in line and they're like well you know i can't remember who does the interview it's not even anything notable i don't think but it's just some local guy kind of asking like the punk crowd like why are you drawn to this what is this and there's just one like oh he's not older but he had to have been in his late 30s 40s and he's he's standing in line he's wearing all leather and he's like it's just it's just raw testosterone it's raw it's raw energy it's rock and roll like you could tell that he was he was just he the guy was just jazzed up you know and he wanted something to get the jimmies out get the get the energy out you know and I, and i think for a lot of people whether it's you don't have a lot of power in your life or you don't have you know i don't know what it is but but there's there's certain things that when you, when you find that that new thing that just gets you super excited and when music is ever changing ever evolving always got a new message and it's just it, it can get to you and i just always found an interview interesting because the guy you can tell i mean he he's not just excited he's like whoa he's like this is it this is my my chance to really feel you know and, and, and that's another thing too that I've talked about to people is maybe maybe you felt so strongly you know at one point maybe you were so mad you could feel yourself building up into in such an intense way that you never felt that like that before and then when you hear music it rouses up this unique you know energy in your head that Something you're crazy it takes over yeah well and, and I think that the appealing part is the um, it's so new it almost feels unnatural you know it's like how did they get that. You know, like you like listening to Hendrix sometimes. Like, how did you get that sound? What is that? That's otherworldly. That's, and, you know, so, and especially at the time, you're probably like, that's demonic. Like, that's not even of this world. What is that kind of thing? But, but the the I think people lean into that because of that. You know, it's like that's so untypical. That's so unnatural. You said the very word I was trying to think of demonic. Hmm. Sometimes it can be so demonic that some guys get so wrapped up in it. That they get too involved in the sound and the and, and then it and it starts making them do crazy things. Yeah, because well, it appeals to your to your emotion, just like yeah, music will make you get emotional. It'll make you cry. It'll make you laugh. It'll make you yeah. feel good. It'll make you feel sad. So I mean, if you crank that up to a certain another level and you 
and someone who's maybe not all stable or they're not they don't need too much to be pushed over the edge it makes them go crazy and they, they, they don't know how to control themselves because it's stirring up their emotions and so you know that's what I'm saying some people listen to it because of the, for the nostalgia and the emotion some people listen just to listen but some people do it because they want the adrenaline rush yeah. they want to be pumped up almost like drinking an energy drink yeah they want the, a stimulant stimulus want stimulus but it's going to take them over the edge is there anything final that we've been talking about or anything you want to say if you want to close up i'm almost ready to yeah, go yeah no you can wrap it up if there's anything anything else you want no, to i'm about. just saying whatever it is that you think you might want to yeah i mean i, I mean i've kind of shared yeah, my connections i guess something you want to add to it no, I, I mean, just sitting down talking to both of you and listening to stories reminds me that, you know, how much music is a part of our lives. And I appreciate that because um, it's something that is a it's a it's a legacy. Like, you know, so in other words, whenever someone goes, you still have that music and it reminds you of that person and yes. reminds you of that period. But it means something to you. And it and it does. Some, like you said, it does something to you. It means something to you. Well, let me give an example again that we already talked earlier. We said something about it <clears throat> when I was watching your mom's video at the funeral service and I had already told him I didn't want to get up and talk hmm. at first mm -hmm. Russell was going to be you know sort of uh, oh, in charge of the thing hmm. and uh, and I'm watching your mom on that video and thought she reminds me of an angel so I just had thought about music hmm. that I thought she reminds me of an angel I said I want to sing Earth Angel so she reminds me of an angel. Yeah. So that's an example of how music can come into your mind. Yeah. And it came into my mind deep time, big time. And I thought, I gotta sing it. I gotta sing it in her memory. Yeah. And I got up and I told the people, I said, sorry, but I uh, I saw that those videos and, I, and my wife reminded me of an angel and I wanna sing this song right now hmm. in her memory. Cause I know she liked it and I like it. And I think it's very fitting for her, yeah, and I and I sing a song, yeah. so yeah, it can give you um, songs can make you have and oh, what can oh, it yeah. me? After she died, after that, those two days, this wake and the, the funeral, uh, the next day, man, I mean, after that, whew, man, I we listened to my Amor Eterno and a couple other songs, mm -hmm. especially Amor Eterno. Mm -hmm. Every night, man, I mean, I would just cry in my bed, mm -hmm. boy, just man, laying there crying so lonesome and so uh, hurt but i knew i had to get over it eventually but it was it was difficult but i had music to help me yeah or it seemed to help me yeah it just seemed to help me i just lay there and i think oh god those words and she the only reason i learned that song is because she told me uh back uh, <clears throat> probably about five years back or so remember when uh, nanny was going with that older gentleman george george and uh um <clears throat> uh, and she told me one day, she said, Sammy, would you please learn Amor Eterno? And I said, Amor Eterno? I didn't even pay attention to it. And not even that, the guy that wrote it, mm -hmm. uh, Juan Gabriel. And I said, uh, why? She said, well, my mom and I like this song, and so does George. Well, I didn't care for George that much. <laughs> I mean, I didn't hate him or nothing, but... Yeah. Sorry, George. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I don't know, I mean, he was shorter and wimpy. And I thought, man, I told you, Mom, what did she see in that little guy? 
he would see me and say, oh, hi, Sam, how you doing, Sam? I thought, oh, my God, just the voice. Stick with the song. And I thought to myself, Joseph, your, your dad was a strong man and a bigger man and manly, you know? And I said, I don't know, and I said, but anyway, I, I didn't hate him. I just didn't particularly care for him, but, <clears throat> but anyway, uh, but the song so, so she told me about that song. And I said, I'll learn it for you, for, mm. you, for you and Nanny. Not for George, but I'll learn it for you and Nanny. Yeah. <laughs> she said, Sammy, come on, you know. <laughs> She'll always add something when I say something like that. <laughs> He's a nice guy. I said, I know, I know, anyway. Well, I learned that song. And uh, it's a long song. But I learned it, and I'll never forget it now. It's a mm. long one, but I, it's like, I'll never forget it. And I sang it so many times. I never could sing it at first after that. Yeah. I mean, I'm after she died. Right, right. I'd sing it for them with my guitar. Sometimes when they wanted to hear it, I'd sing it to them. Even with George there, I didn't care. <laughs> <laughs> and, but uh, that poor guy. But anyway, Nanny finally left him because she said, he's getting old and I can tell he's got some health problems and I don't want to have to take care of anybody. <laughs> so she quit him. She said, told him no more. That's it. Oh, Nanny. <laughs> but... Uh, Anyway, so yeah, that uh, music can affect you in different ways. And when you're lonesome, when you're uh, in sorrow, yeah, it's there. when you're happy, yeah, that's... when you're drinking, you know, whatever, <laughs> you can have it. Yeah. And sometimes we used to, I really used to enjoy, especially when Russell and I in the game room, mm. I would always be drinking beer and listening to those guys mm, you know, singing mm-hmm. different ones. And I enjoyed the heck out of it, uh, listening to that music. And I was glad that I liked something that Russell liked too, and the, you yeah. know, because yeah, it was a connection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the same here. I mean, I, I like I said, you know, the the Be- in, in my world at the time, my youthful world, that the Beatles were were nice, but it, it was kind of like because you don't know as much when you're so small that it seemed like all the songs that had been written already. All the songs I heard were so great and polished that surely what's that, what else is out there? What else could be out there with this, you know, done already? And then when I heard the white album with this, a variety of things. And then, um, I remember not much longer after that, you introduced me to David Bowie. And the first song was, um, it was two songs. It was uh, space oddity, which blew my mind. Uh, story song, it was beautifully composed, complex, weird, crazy, um, and under pressure. And, um, which, you know, more of that eighties classic pop sound kind of thing, but still realizing like, you know, who is, who's David Bowie, you know, and, and, and thinking I about that. that too, when I first heard <laughs> who's this guy? <laughs> yeah, I started liking him. Yeah. But, but yeah, but same thing to me was like, it, it, cause I know the first song is space oddity, but that's what it was to me. It was just an oddity. I didn't, under, it was so unique and weird. I, I didn't and, like it at first and I started liking the song. Yeah. I started liking it. Yeah. And, and, um, and that, that opened up the branches for me to break out to like what, you know, what else came out during this period and to me as a listener um, building a mind of of a catalog of like oh this is that 50s sound this is that 60s era sound because I had no concept of that really and 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 i became so interested in it because everything because it's gone through so many filters it's gone through you being critical of it 
and then y'all connecting on something and saying, no, this is an intergenerational, no matter what, this is classic. You're, you're going to, if you're, if you like music, you're going to like CCR. Otherwise you don't know what music is. You know, it's like <laughs> y'all, y'all, y'all found a connection and it carried over to me, you know, with the Beatles and, and stuff like that. And then, and then you found your tangents and then introduced it to me and then so on and so on. And it's just been such a beautiful um, um, uh, buildup of all these different layers of appreciation. One of the first things that I remember that he asked me to do, and I thought, I don't know if I want to do that. He said, Dad, I want to go see the wrestlers at the sportatorium wrestling. Mm-hmm. I thought, that fake stuff? I, thought, <laughs> I said, yeah, okay, I'll take him. So I used to, I'd take him a few times, you know, two, yeah, three times, two times. Right? See the wrestlers uh-huh. way back then, Duke yeah. Mooka and oh. Thunderbolt Patterson, yeah. <laughs> nice. Wahoo Iron. McDaniel, oh Fritz von Erich, Fritz von Erich the Iron Claw. Yeah. <laughs> and so, but you know, so later, I mean, when he around that time, too, real soon, and he when he tell me, Dad, I sure would like to go see Chicago. I, I like Chicago. I mean, I like mm. their tune, their songs. Yeah. And I said, uh, Well, not, and Mom said, Yeah, well, let's go. I said, Let's go. So we took him. And then Al Green, of course, he sang so good. Oh, yeah. That's so crazy. We wanted to go. And, <laughs> did you go see O.C. Smith with us? I don't I think remember. it was just Richard and yeah, Nancy. I don't think so, I did. I don't think I did. But anyway, but those, those things led to, uh, you know, us enjoying listening to music at home and, and then, uh, you know, growing with it. Yeah. And, of course, I had a lot of Mexican music in my life. Sure. You know, I mean, probably more than even that, but... Because uh, I learned a lot of songs. I know a lot of songs by memory. Uh, I just have to remember the tune and I can remember the words. To, mm-hmm. The ones that I know. Sure. The ones that I know by memory. Even now. And uh, and by the way, I I have been to seniors, senior places to entertain the seniors. Like me, seniors my age. And uh, that was very enjoyable. Mm-hmm. In fact, uh, I don't think I sent you that... Uh, that video of me. Yeah. I, you know, t- I did I it to it. you. Yeah. Send it to him. Send it to him so he can see it or hear it. I, I entertained a 97 year old lady at a senior place about mm. four, five years ago, four years ago maybe, mm. in West Dallas at a senior place, senior mm. citizen gathering place. <clears throat> and, uh, and the lady was there holding the microphone for me while I was singing Las Mañanitas to this elderly lady. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of people were there. They really enjoyed it. And so I, I just sent it out, I think, to mm-hmm. you yesterday, day before. Just, yeah, just a couple of days ago. And uh, so I sent it to him so he can see it. I will. And, uh, but, uh, but I enjoyed doing that, going to my brothers, David and I and Richard. Yeah. Sometimes we'd go. And by the way, uh, we, went, we joined a religious group way back in the 60s. And uh, it was a three, let's see, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, like a three-day Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, and Sunday. But you went there Thursday night, Thursday evening, okay. for three solid days. And then Sunday evening, when you were done, it was a religious retreat for Mexicanos, trying to get them more interested in the church hmm. and to want to serve the church mm-hmm. and people and all that. Mm-hmm. And on Sunday evenings around 6.30 or 7, they would have all of them, a big stadium like, and uh, they would have a, 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 a balcony and they would get up there one at a time and make give a little testimony or something mm. something about what they experienced. Sure. But then they wanted music, so we would entertain uh, them. Gotcha. But also on Sunday afternoon, no, at noon, we would go there to entertain them while they were having lunch mm. in the lunchroom. 
Mm-hmm. So we did a lot of stuff like that. In fact, um, a priest that was, uh, one of those priests that was back then, he played a big accordion, Father Michael. He just died on the first the other day, but he was in Spain. He was from Spain. Oh. But he was there for quite a few years, quite mm-hmm. a long time. But he was 90 or 91, he just died. But anyway, so we we had we had, I like to we used to like to entertain uh, seniors and yeah. and stuff like that. But anyway, uh, it's a beautiful thing to share. Yeah, gift so, of music. And I still play the guitar and sing, not as much as I used to, especially now because they won't let us go into those safe places yet. Yeah, we can't go in there. Yeah, you know? yeah, sure with the elderly and stuff. Anyway, but that's about all. I think I'll. It's coming around. I think We're I'll almost done. I'll get ready to go, pretty quick now. Yeah. That's okay with you. Oh yeah, yeah. You you done talking? Well, I enjoyed uh, <laughs> I enjoyed uh, being here and yeah, this is whatever great. you know you're gonna do with this. Uh, I enjoyed it being my son and you, my grandson. Yeah. And uh, I'm very proud of who, I, who my people are here and the things that I've done. Not boasting, just because I'm I was just glad to be able to share. Yeah. Whatever little did I some things that we did. And I have to admit that uh, on my birthday in the 80th, a little over a year ago, uh, I really, really enjoyed that party because I never wanted to have a big party like my brother David. But I told myself, I want to have it at my 80 years, on my 80th birthday, I want to celebrate. And so, believe it or not, there were about 85 people in that barbecue place. It was just about full. One for each year. So, yeah, yeah, I thought about it almost. But it was just enjoyable that I was able to enjoy. This time I didn't do anything, probably nothing, especially with the COVID in September. But uh, I'm still just grateful to the Lord that I'm here. And uh, I ask him all the time to let me be here a little bit longer just to be able to, now that I have Tina there with me, hmm. to be able to be there for her, to let her stay there. And by the way, uh, Jacob is probably... If he's not here already, he'll be here shortly oh, in Dallas or in the area. Yeah. Because he's coming to visit for a few days. Cool. So he Good. took off this morning to come down. Good. Good. And so he'll be here a few days. If you talk, you can talk to him yeah. and get a hold of him. Yeah. And uh, so we've been praying for him. I offered the mass for his safety and today. And so uh, Tina, you know, real happy that he's coming to visit. And uh, so... Uh, Anyway, well, with that, I'll just say I'm very glad to be to have been here, and I enjoyed the, you know, the talk. Uh, it was very enjoyable. I'm sorry I don't have much anyone else thing else. There's much more things that I know in my mind <laughs> that I could tell you about some of the things that I do with music. But for right now, we'll just make, make, make yeah, this. maybe for another time. Yeah, another but time. But yeah, I yeah. appreciate you coming out here and. And opening up about yeah all of this this has well, been great. Yeah, every one of us. Yeah, we all have. Even if you don't play an instrument, he still can oh, share what was his feelings about music yeah. and the things that happened along the way. Thank you. Well, being being <laughs> say something. Being a thorough, appreciative person, while well, being a nerd is a skill of its own. <laughs> <laughs> say something for you. Yeah, I have a lot of a lot of interests, but no, I'm I'm glad we got to do it. I'm, it's awesome because it's it's recorded, so now we'll always have this conversation. 
uh, future generations can listen, you know, to you talk about your experiences and and future family members can know David. Yes, they can know about Uncle David, and I know he would appreciate that. <laughs> but, uh, but I do want to add one thing before I finish, and I, I just I'm sorry to interrupt you. I just want to say the thing that I have to really end up with is I want to make sure that whoever hears this later, whoever they are, when they grow up later on, <clears throat> to always remember that uh, I was not a real, real strong Christian at all when I was first young, a young guy, because my mother was Baptist and my father was Catholic. My father was a real believer of the Lord, but he didn't go to church as much back then, and my mother didn't go to church, but uh, and I didn't probably ever, but the nuns would take us to, to this little church around a few blocks away, and they would try to teach us things and stuff. Uh, not a CCD class, but just whatever they could teach us while they could get us there. And then they had a way to show us movies, good movies, and little snacks, mm -hmm. and we enjoyed going to that uh, chocolate and milk and uh, donuts mm -hmm. and we, uh, popcorn. Yeah. So we went there because we, we enjoyed being there with the kids, friends. And uh, But uh, my whole point is that uh, uh, about believing and being a believer that uh, little by little I started kind of going to church some, but when I met your grandma and your mom, uh, she wasn't going to church much at all either, and mm. nor did Grandpa and, and his her mom and dad. Mm -hmm. So uh, when we got together and started uh, going to church, I said, we have to go to church. She said, yeah, I want to go to church. Let's go to church. And later on I said, uh, you know what? We need to get married in the church. We got married in the civil, you know, yeah, court. court. But, uh, and that was kind of strange because we... We got together, really. We didn't get married because uh, my parents didn't want to bless our marriage. So I just, we just took off, started living together. Hmm. For about, uh, we waited about two and a half years, and then we went into the courthouse downtown. And we were standing there in front of this uh, desk or counter. Uh, they gave us a license. We'd already had our blood test. And then I said, well, how can we get married? Who can marry us? And that lady said, Find a preacher somewhere, and the preacher was standing there. He said, I'm a preacher. And I said, can you marry us? And yeah, sure, I can marry you right now. <laughs> so we just walked into a stairwell, opened the door, and just yeah. he stood on the stairs, and we were still on the flat part. And he just married us right there, and he paid him about <laughs> 10 bucks or whatever it was. And he signed the, I still have the copy. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so we got married like that. And then later on, we started going to church. And little by little, we started really getting into the church. And then later on, we convinced my, her dad and mom to start going too. Mm. And they did. And Grandpa, you know, he, he even became a usher, pick, pick, picking up mm. the money at the church you mm. know, with a thing. And so they, uh, they started going to church, and he enjoyed doing it. And so and I, I'm glad to say that when he had that stroke and he was at the hospital that very first day, I took him a priest right away because we believe real seriously in, in receiving the last rites before you die, if you can. And he was able to do that because I took him a priest. Mm -hmm. And if you look in the very last uh, chapter and verses of St. James, it'll tell you there. Back then, if someone's sick, call a presbyter. Back then they call him presbyter. Some of them still do. And tell him to come and pray for him. And the prayer may even save, heal him. Hmm. But if not, if he receives the anointing of the sick and the prayers, he said, uh, 
he will he'll save his soul. Hmm. It'll take them, all this prayer, all these sins away from him. You ever read that? I'm sure you have. So that's what I did. That's why I took the priest for grandpa. Yeah. Of course, Felix being the way he is, uh, Felix Florence, his husband, hmm. that very day we were there that evening, we were standing there, and I'm Felix and Florence and my wife, and, and then Florence said, Sam brought a priest today for, for my dad and got the last rites. I said, what? What for? He didn't have to have a priest, not yet. Why did he have to have a priest? And I said, Felix, any time a person you know, seems like they might die, they need to be ready for the Lord, man, prepared. Mm-hmm. But he was that way. <laughs> they kind of negative. You know. But anyway, that's my right now final. And so thank you again. I'm sorry I interrupted you. No, no, so, no. Man. It's good. We're good. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's good. Well, thanks for, uh, thanks for coming out. I appreciate it and having the conversation and being able to open up about the, our music appreciation legacy and how it continues. <laughs> Until next time. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. For more episodes, visit our website, musicmythpodcast.com, and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Goodbye.